Alright. Now before we get to episode 332, I must address the elephant in the room. Now, last week I did record an episode for technically episode 332. But unfortunately, and this is something I had to learn the hard way, um, all of the stuff that I recorded was gone. Because my computer decided to update itself. And that kind of irritated me, but I just kept a positive face. I said, you know what? It happens. And I took responsibility for it because I, <clears throat> I did not save my um my uh recording because I wanted to edit first and then upload the episode but um all I could say is let me just give y'all a quick recap of, from last week just a quick one some of the key stuff that I took away from uh last week's um wrestling on the AEW side, there was talks of Brian Danielson possibly retiring from full-time wrestling next year. And if you saw a Collision, he did reveal that his daughter was going to turn seven years old. And, um, and it looks like he might be wrestling on a part-time base, like have like a, have a special attraction gig, like. That's one thing I could see him them doing with Brian Danielson. Um, the other talk in AEW was Jay Cargill. And we're going to be talking about Jay Cargill on this episode too because she is apparently leaving AEW. Um, and she is WWE bound. And I have my thoughts on that. I think, and I, I said in one of the recordings, I said that... Um, I think she should bypass NXT and go straight to the main roster. I think that's where she's going to be heading. And also on this episode, we're going to get more details about Jay Cargill. Um, we I did see the finals of the the Grand Slam tournament with Samoa Joe and Roderick Strong. I thought they had a good match, and. We're on the build towards Wrestle Dream because Wrestle Dream is in the I think the first of October. I don't know. I might be wrong. But Um Samoa Joe, he won the entire tournament. So he will be he took on MJF at Grand Slam, which we will talk about. On the WWE side, there was a lot of news going on about Matt Riddle. Apparently he was apparently sexual assaulted and I don't know what's going on with Matt Riddle. We have I didn't even see him on Monday Night Raw this week. So he was supposed to be on Raw this week, but he was not. So something is going on. Something is really going on with uh, Matt Riddle. Um, contract update with LA Knight. Apparently his deal, like the new deal doesn't appear imminent, but they're far apart on money. So... And I literally said WWE will be fools not to to up his contract. Because if they let that contract go out and he goes somewhere else, that's their loss. 
And um, we, I did talk about JoJo. She revealed, she issued a statement about Bray Wyatt's passing. If you want to see it, go to her Instagram account. It is a beautiful tribute. And not, and I'm not gonna lie, I legitimately teared up reading it when I was recording it because, like, because I had a feeling JoJo was gonna say something, and it just tongue up, tongue up my heartstrings a lot. Um, we got the Royal Rumble location for next year. The Royal Rumble will take place in Tampa Bay. And who do I think should win the men and women's Royal Rumble? I still believe Gunther. No, it's going to be in Tropicana Field in St. Petersburg, Florida. So I still think Gunther is going to win the men's Royal Rumble. As for the women, that's a tough one. That's a tough one because... I'm thinking about big matches going into WrestleMania, and one of them is Bianca and Charlotte. And honestly, they do not need the title to uh, validate that. I think they could do fine without it. Like, you don't need a title to justify the major feud, all right? I think the women would do fine without, the, uh, without a title. But the Royal Rumble... Tropicana Field, I am looking forward to that because, you know, I get excited for the Royal Rumble. And you know what? I might make some changes. We might do, um, I might stream a watch party. Like, I might do it on Kick. I might do it on Twitch. You never know. Because I might actually plan my first watch party, um, like just reacting and giving thoughts for next Saturday, which is NXT No Mercy. And... I will uh, react like I always do. Just, And I'm going to have the volume low because I don't want y'all to hear the... I don't want like no copyright or some shit like that. I don't want my channel to be taken down. Like We're just going to watch. If you have... If you're a wrestling fan, you know where to find me. But um, let's see. Another big thing, Edge. He's no longer listed on the WWE's internal roster. Um, there have been talks, there have been rumors about him possibly going to AEW. Like, like I said, I won't believe it until I actually see it. I don't think it's going to happen. And to the surprise of no one, the dyad, they're no longer with the WWE. It was a long time coming. They want it out anyway. So they're no longer in WWE. So they're free. And... They could go wherever they want. And one of the big stories coming out of last week was Endeavor. They announced the close of UFC and WWE's transaction to create TKO. And it was... How would I put this? It was... Mm, like, it was... Like, we all knew it was coming. But when it comes to the merges, it comes with a price. A lot of people lost their jobs. 100 plus employees behind the scenes lost their jobs. And it sucks. It sucks. But that wasn't the only one because I'll give you the rundown on what we're going to be talking about for this episode. Um, on NXT, Tiffany Stratton lost the NXT women's title to Becky Lynch. And I thought they had a good match. I thought they had a really good match. And I know people were saying that, oh, she's burying young talent. I disagree 100%. I thought, 
Um, like, I honestly think Becky going, uh, I think Becky Lynch going, uh, how would I put this? Becky winning the title, that drew big numbers. Like, it drew really big numbers for NXT. The highest numbers, like, 800 plus thousand people watching. And it still continued this week. And you see why they did it. You see why they did Becky Lynch winning the title. I, I had no problem with Tiffany Stratton losing. And I thought she looked even better in defeat. And of course we had uh, SmackDown, which we saw a surprise return of The Rock. Well, not officially. He's not back in ring-wise, but he made a surprise appearance on SmackDown. And he had a really good segment with Austin Theory and Pat McAfee. I thought that was absolutely great. And Pat McAfee even said that he's hopeful that he's back on commentary because, look, I miss... I miss Pat McAfee. I think he is... Him and Michael Cole, they have great chemistry. They really do. They really, really do. And that was just the recap of last week because I felt bad that I, that the episode did not get posted. or No, that the episode got erased. But I just wanted to give you the quick rundown on what happened um, last week. But this is episode 332 of No One's Ready for Wrestling. It is almost Libra season. And as I'm recording this on Friday, the episode will be up on Saturday. And I will be celebrating my birthday. So I will be turning 30. So happy 30th birthday to me. Happy 30th birthday to me. I am really, really excited. Because this is the next chapter of my life. I am just beyond grateful that I am literally still here, you know, like just, and just finding new stuff that I, I could do, you know, but I am your host, the one, the only Phoenix that rises from the ashes. This is your boy, Shino Phoenix. And I want to thank y'all so much for tuning into this episode. I really, really appreciate it. Um, like I said, we got a lot to discuss coming out of AEW QT Marshall announced that he resigns he resigned with eight, not resigned, resigned with uh, AEW. Uh, we got news on CM Punk. Is he going to sue? The answer is no. And I think it's a good thing. Um, Warner Brothers Discovery will be streaming live sports to on HBO Max, which leads me to believe that we might see AEW possibly being streamed on HBO Max, which I think is a great move. Um, is AEW going to hold another pay-per-view event this year? Because it looks like they're going to be up in their pay-per-views. And with Grand Slam, it might be the last AEW televised thing. Because I could see Grand Slam being its own pay-per-view. Case in point, this week on Dynamite was a strict wrestling show. And... We got WWE stuff. We got news on Jay Cargill. Um, details on her con on her possibly jumping to W not not possibly definitely jumping to WWE. And is she going to NXT? Is she going to the main roster? And like I said, I believe she's going to the main roster. And what brand do I slot her in? 
Um, we got news on the morale. Apparently, it's been decimated at WWE's headquarters because of the releases, the mass releases of 100 plus people. Um, and a top executive wasn't well liked before he was let go. We got news on Randy Orton. Apparently, he might be returning because he was spotted at the Performance Center. But, like I say, I would have a wait-and-see approach. We have Sheamus. His contract is set to expire in a few months. And why WWE would be foolish to not re-sign this guy. Um, we got news on where the Elimination Chamber will be taking place. And a bombshell news that SmackDown will be leaving Fox and they will return to the USA Network as part of a new agreement for NBC Universal. And we got details on that. Apparently, if they move to USA Network, what does that mean for Raw and NXT? Because apparently, the rumor is that if they move, it looks like they might be done on USA Network. But... We'll wait and see. We got a lot of news on Vince McMahon. He held a meeting at the WWE headquarters. He was seen walking up the stairs with a cane. And another bombshell that he may leave WWE according to an SEC filing that Axios is reporting. So, that's something I'm going to be keeping an eye on. And we also got news on WWE content leaving Hulu next week. So enjoy it while you still have it. And of course, another big news is multiple names have been released from WWE. And uh, I'm going to give my thoughts on all of that. But like I said, I thank you guys for tuning into this episode. It really, really means a lot to me. Um, just a lot to go over. And doing this... Right before Libra season, which I'm recording this on Friday, and doing this before my birthday, which is on a Sunday, I'm just, I'm really, I cannot contain my excitement. Like, I cannot tell you how much of a big deal um, this means to me. Uh, so, if you want to follow me on social media, if you want to know why I'm on social media, here's where you can find me. Follow me on the Twitter or X. It's Shino D Phoenix. I do live tweet for Raw, NXT, Dynamite, and on and SmackDown. But if I'm bored, then you know why. Uh, but I do my Wednesday shoutouts. I just tweet some motivation stuff and some and do my Wednesday shoutouts on the platform. I'm just I'm just on clout. I'm just. In a great mood right now. That's all I can say. If you're wondering why I can't, I'm going back and forth with my speech. But um, also I do promote my content. Which if you're not following me on Twitch or Kick, It's Shino Phoenix. Please do so. And speaking of Kick, I will be doing my very first birthday stream on that platform on my birthday at 9.15. So if you want to see me, if you want to stop by... Say hi. Wish me a happy birthday. I would greatly appreciate it. It would mean the world to me. And I really mean that 100%. It would mean so much to me if you guys came. 
But if you're busy, that's understandable. That's understandable. And I'm not going to force you. That's up to you. That is clearly up to you. But um, I do stream games. I love to vibe and chill and just talk with you guys. Um, you can follow me on Instagram, CoolManSip. That's CYP, by the way. So if you're not following me on, on that platform, you're missing out. I've been posting a lot more on Instagram. And I'm going to be doing the same with, uh, with TikTok. If you're not following me on TikTok, it's, um, again, it's Shino D. Phoenix. I've been posting some more uh, content on here. So I'm just trying to be consistent, like do it like two or three times a day per week and not like try to force myself into doing it. But, um... If you want to find me there, you could take a look at my content on there. One of my favorite ones I did was talking about my weight loss journey. And one of the one of my TikToks that was blowing up was when I went to SmackDown. When I was talking about the dynamic with EO and Asuka. So, and speaking of which, that match, I'm looking forward to that match. I think that's going to be great if they play their cards right. Um... Let's see. And finally, no, not finally. Uh, you can subscribe to my YouTube channel, Shino D Phoenix. Like the Facebook page. No one's ready for wrestling. That way you guys can stay up to date on when I upload the podcast. I would really appreciate that. That means so, so much to me. And with that out of the way, let's talk AEW. Let's talk the All Elite Wrestling News. And we're going to start off with QT Marshall. Um, he has re-signed with the promotion. And as you guys know, AEW, they got a lot of talent under contract across the brand and Ring of Honor. Where they use people on Dynamite, Collision, and on Rampage. They also have talent under contract who works behind the scenes. Like QT Marshall, who wrestles and works as a vice president. Um... QT Marshall is currently the reigning AAA Latin American champion, a title he won at Triple Mania 31. He also trains talent with Cody Rhodes at the Nightmare Factory. It was reported recently that Marshall had re-signed with the promotion, and QT Marshall uh, confirmed the news while speaking with Jofo in the ring. Um, and this is what he said, and I quote, he said, yeah, I will say this. I always worked for AEW. I'm one of the vice presidents. That is a job that I have. The talent is just a second thing that I have as well. I'm lucky. I have two jobs, like Brandon Cutler, two contracts, you know? So, yes, we made another agreement, and we'll see what happens. I think till the end of the year, I don't know. The dirt sheets know more than me. I don't know how, but yes, I'm there. I won't be going anywhere else except AAA and as many independent shows as I possibly can. So QT, he ain't going nowhere. And I know people will say, well, that's not a big sign. But look, QT has been around with AEW since like the first inception. And um, 
he has some he has some interesting runs, but other than that, I think that's a good signing. If he's happy with where he is, then I don't have an issue with it. I don't have an issue with QT Marshall uh, re-signing. I think that is that's fine by me. Now, we all know the drama with CM Punk. And I recently discussed the CM Punk stuff, which, honestly, the, the more I talk about it, the more I get annoyed by talking about CM Punk. But um, if you guys want to hear my thoughts about CM Punk being uh, fired, go to episode... I don't know why my why they're not showing uh my episodes, but episode three thirty one, I did discuss um CM Punk. I did talk about Punk being fired, who was in the wrong, and why Tony Khan made uh the right decision to let go of CM Punk like. And I, I use the analogy of, do you cut the head off the snake? Like, do you cut the head off the snake? <laughs> Did I say 331? I don't, I don't know. I'm all over the place right now. <laughs> I mean, 231. <laughs> yeah, 231. Go to episode 231. I don't know why I said 331. I, I'm like, I've been busy, awfully busy. Yeah, 231 of that episode. I'm not even at the 300 yet. <laughs> but I did discuss CM Punk getting axed. And um, I, and if you want to hear my rant, please go ahead and do so. Now, CM Punk was released by AEW earlier this month after a physical altercation with Jungle Boy Jack Perry well, now Jack Perry at All In, but he's ready to move on with his life. After the altercation, Punk reportedly lunged at Tony Khan, just to give you the recap, and said he quit the promotion. Khan, on collision, stated that he felt his life was in danger during his situation. Punk provided guest commentary for Friday's Cage Fury Fighting Championships, the CFFC event, marking his first appearance since being fired from AEW. He noted that he has a lot of free time on his hands. Hoss of Wrestling reported that Punk has no litigation pending against Khan after being released, which had been speculated following the release. The report also noted that Punk is looking to avoid um, uh, further litigations and move on with his life. Now, Nick Hossman said, and I quote, Punk was described to me as someone breathing a sign of relief now that he is away from the day-to-day drama that seemed to follow him at AEW. It's unclear whether AEW and Khan are considering litigations against CM Punk. Regarding the potential WWE return, it's still unclear whether the company or Punk is interested in that. And I actually talked about that in the last episode. I did mention that... um. I just can't see CM Punk returning to WWE. Now, if he commend fences with some of the people, then 
I I could definitely see him returning, but I am on the camp of of just not um seeing him come back to the company because I could definitely see drama with him in the WWE. You don't want that. Now, if he's a changed man, we'll see. Now, um, Punk was reportedly open to it in December while on a hiatus with it from AEW. One source said the internal buzz about Punk as a potential free agent is not there like when Cody Rhodes was rumored to be on the market. Another source pointed out that WWE does not necessarily need a big name signing because they have a hot product, which is true. Multiple sources made it clear that they saw WWE and Punk working together as a possibility if good business can be done, which that's a possibility. But if CM Punk is moving on, then I don't blame the guy. He's moving on. Like, I already said that he was in the wrong about about attacking Jack Perry over a comment and lunging at Tony Khan. Like, it was chaos backstage, and you don't want that. And hopefully, we can move on. We can move on from AEW not having any more drama behind the scenes because that's one thing they do not want. They don't need another backstage drama. And and I even said on the last episode, I said, why don't they have a zero tolerance policy on episode 231? And I literally I, I say that because... This could prevent all this from happening. What? Or I implement a three-strike rule to prevent more to prevent drama from happening. You fuck up once, you're suspended for 30 days without pay. Fuck up twice, it's like a drug policy. Suspended for 60 days without pay. Three strikes, you're gone. So, and and look, CM Punk, he doesn't even need to sue. If he's trying, if he wants to move on from this, good on him. Good on him. Now, I don't... And I think Tony Khan wants to move on from uh, this whole CM Punk nonsense. But uh, that's just how I see it. We got an in, we got a lot of injury news coming out of AEW, but I do want to mention this. El Hijo Del Vikingo is a man in demand. He wrestled for AEW... No, he wrestles for AEW, he wrestles for Ring of Honor, and in AAA, in addition with indie bookings. Now, on the Ring of Honor tapings, he teamed with Metalik and Gravity against Pentaco and Helico and Tony Nese when he was injured during the dive with the initial hope that he just suffered a deep drive. Now, he was seen using a wheelchair afterwards. Now, Meltzer noted that Vikingo is dealing with a hip injury, putting his mega championship match uh, against Commander in AAA in jeopardy. Now, I don't know what the update is as I am recording this, but this is what Meltzer said. And I quote, He got hurt, as we talked about last night. 
He got hurt on Saturday night, and it's a hip injury. He's got a title match in Mexico on Saturday against Commander, and the last I heard is that he's not 100%. Um, that he won't be doing it. Although it's probable they're holding out hope. He was talking like, I'm going to try to rehab all week and see. There's no guarantee that he's wrestling on Saturday. It's touch and go. So that's the situation. But he could be out for a little while. But he doesn't break his hip. But he didn't break his hip, thank God. It was a pretty serious injury. And I wish Vikingo a speedy recovery. Hip injuries are no joke. And hopefully he recovers in time so he could do his title match against Commander. Because I already know these two can tear the fucking house down. I already know that these guys can tear the tear it up in AAA. And I think they could deliver an excellent match. But speedy recovery to to Vikingo. Um AEW's TV partner, Warner Brothers Discovery, will be streaming live sports on HBO Max. And this is good. I think this is really good because this gives me hope that they could stream AEW pay-per-views on HBO Max. Now, starting October 5th, AEW's TV partner, Warner Brothers Discovery, announced that they will be streaming live sports on its service, Max. Opening the door for live AEW pay-per-view events to be shown at a later date. Uh, the following was issued. Live Bleacher Reports Sports tier to launch on Max in U.S. on Thursday, October 5th. With WBD Sports Premium Live Sports, MLB, NHL, NBA, NCAA Men's March Madness, U.S. Soccer, and more. To simulcast live on Max via Bleacher Reports, sports add-on, and continue to air on TNT, TBS, and True TV. Bleacher Reports sports add-on available to all Max subscribers for promotional period through February 29th and $9.99 per month thereafter. Unlocking more than 300 premium live event games, no premium live games each year, plus Bleacher Report live video content and ex. Extensive VOD libraries. First BR Bleacher Report Sports add-on event to be the MLB National League's Division Series on October 7th. Uh, today, Max and Warner Brothers Discovery Sports announce a Bleacher Report Sports add-on tier coming to Max starting Thursday, October 5th. The Bleacher Report Sports add-on package will deliver a full slate of Premium live sports, including MLB, NHL, NBA, NCAA, and U.S. soccer events. The match, Emmy award-winning studio shows such as Inside the NBA, live video content from BR covering a wide array of sports, select live international sport events such as 24 Hours Le Mans, and extensive vibe content. And... This will mark the first time that fans will have access on streaming platforms. In addition to linear to WBD's portfolio of premium live sport content, including more than 300 live games each year. And 
like I said, this gives me so much hope. Like, I could go on and on about this, about all of this, but this is great. This is great. And if AEW should, like, I think AEW is a part of this because if we get that, then you don't have to worry about paying like 60 bucks. Um, and you could just watch it on max. I think that would be a really great move. That way people could not only save their money, but it will give people a reason to subscribe to HBO max to watch AEW content on there. And if I'm Warner Brothers, I think that's the right move. Now, you could still have the option to pay $60. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I just want to watch it on a service where it's like $9.99 a month. And that way I don't have to pay for anything. I could just watch it and boom, you're good. I think that would be a good idea. I think that's a really, really good idea. But I'm really happy for this. I think that's great. Now, I want to say congratulations to Julia Hart and Lee Johnson. They announced last year that they're engaged to be married. And Julia Hart revealed that they're 23 days away from the big day, which is going to be the 12th of October. So, again, I want to say congratulations to the happy couple. I'm really, really, really proud of them. And I hope they have a great chapter in their lives. Now, Jake Hager, let's talk about him. Jake Hager has announced that he is retiring from MMA. And he's held a three victories, no losses, and only one draw at the Bellator promotion. His most recent bout taking place at Bellator 250 back in 2020 of October, where he beat Brandon Colton via split decision. Now, he has been aligned with Chris Jericho since arriving in AEW as part of the inner circle before being in the Jericho Appreciation Society. Now, last year, he had expressed interest in fighting Ryan Bader and Fedora, if I butcher this, I apologize, Emmy Leon, Leonico, but those fights never happened. While doing a virtual signing, with KNS WrestleFest, he confirmed that he is retired from the sport and he said that he trained hard last year. However, in his word, he felt Bellator was jerking him off, so now he's focusing on wrestling, which is which is fine. Which is fine. And if you're focusing on wrestling, that's a good thing. I think that's a really good thing and I think his run in MMA has been... Like, I don't keep up with MMA. I know there's a lot of people out there that watch MMA. I'm not one of those people. But um, judging by his record, I thought he had a pretty good one, a pretty good run. He had a pretty good run so far. So other than that, I thought it was it was pretty good. But I'm glad that he's gonna be focusing more on wrestling. But uh we'll see what his next chapter is in AEW. Now I did mention in the beginning, AEW, they're slowly increasing the number of pay-per-views, which they usually it will be Revolution, Double or Nothing, All Out, and Full Gear. Now we're seeing Forbidden Door, we're seeing All In, 
And now they're building towards Wrestle Dream. So they got seven pay-per-views. And it looks like they might um, hold another pay-per-view. Um, they might hold an another pay-per-view this year. Now, for those of you who are wondering, AEW plans to expand to 12 pay-per-views event a year with the show taking place each month. Now, they've already confirmed this year's Full Gear will take place on November 18th. Uh, 2023 at the Kia Forum in Los Angeles, California. Now, Cassidy Haynes of Bodyslam.net, who has broken AEW stories in the past, reports that AEW has been discussing holding another pay-per-view event this year after Full Gear, with talks going as December 29th being the potential date. If the December 29th date stands, it will be the first ever AEW pay-per-view held on a Friday going up against Rampage and SmackDown. Now, Tony Khan has held Ring of Honor shows on Friday nights in the past. So, oh my goodness, that's going to be a lot of work. If there's going to be 12 pay-per-views per year, that's going to be a headache. Because you got to prep the card, you got to make sure... Like, you got to make sure the build is proper. You got to make sure everything is going to affect, you know? But other than that, if they're adding another pay-per-view that's on the 29th, which, like the report says, it's... No, that's... Yeah, that's on a Friday. That's going to be challenging for... uh. For AEW, but I think they'll be okay. But especially when you have full gear. No, not full gear. You have the Grand Slam. I could see that being turned into a pay-per-view. I could see Winter is Coming being turned to a pay-per-view. I could see Fighter Fest being turned to a pay-per-view. Like I mentioned, seven Grand Slam, Winter is Coming, Fighter Fest. That's ten pay-per-views right there. Now, I don't know if Ring of Honor is going to be a part of it, but we'll... But we'll see how that goes. But other than that, um, other than that, it's just so much to think about. But uh, yeah, 12 pay-per-views. I definitely see them doing something like this. But that's going to be a lot on Tony Khan's plate. So some quick thoughts on uh, AEW Collision which took place at Bryce Jordan Center in State College, Pennsylvania. I thought it was a pretty good show. A pretty good show. Um, Really not much I could get into with, with this one. But um, I thought the opening contest with Ricky Starks and Big Bill against Brian Danielson and Claudio Castagnoli was good. I thought this was a really good match with um, the heels go getting over. And after the match, Castagnoli goes for a chair, but they already left the ring. And I know on Collision this Saturday is going to be a Texas uh, death match between Brian Danielson and Ricky Starks. I thought the strap match should have been it, but it looks like we're going to have to go with more blood. <laughs> but uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be really good. 
Now, they showed a video package what happened last Wednesday with Brian Cage and Hangman Page. And this leads to the Young Bucks and Hangman Page. They want the Mogul Embassy's Ring of Honor six-man tag team titles. And that match is set up for next Friday, which is set up for Rampage this Friday. They show a video of Powerhouse Hobbs. And he's talking about the next chapter in his book. A mural promo then airs after Hobbs. And he wants to meet up with him again. And he can call... And he calls his wife Temptation. He goes on about, about them having unfinished business. So it looks like the feud with Hobbs and Miro is still continuing. Which you know CJ is going to play a part in this. And I think that's where it's going to be leading to. We had the AEW tag team titles on the line. We had FTR defending their titles against... The Iron Savages. I thought this was fine for what it was. Um, not fine. It was good for what it was. With uh, FTR once again retaining their tag team titles. And after the match, Anthony Henry and J.D. Drake, the workhorsemen, they come out and and we get a match next on the next Collision Show, which FTR, more than likely, they will retain. So... That's pretty much that. And I think Aussie Open is watching for the uh, AEW tag team titles. I could definitely see them going after those tag titles. It looks like that's where we're going to be leading to. FTR versus Aussie Open. I think that's going to be great. I think that's going to be great. Now, they did this botch with Keith Lee. All right. Now, I don't know what they're doing with Keith Lee. Because this is one of the guys that I literally have high hopes for. But um, I feel like they're fumbling on him. Now, I don't know if it's his health that's causing this. I don't know if... Because I don't know what it is. Like They, they showed this shot behind, like backstage. And you see a producer... Producer's hand doing like, you know, the action thing. Like, and I don't know how many takes. They said take 30-something, but it was a botch beyond belief. But, now, this was interesting because Shane Taylor introduces him to Lee Moriarty to be a part of his enterprise. So, it looks like they're teasing Shane Taylor and Keith Lee. Are we going to reunite PBK? Because if so, I'm all in for that because PBK got me into Keith Lee when Keith Lee came to Wildcat at the time. And he fucking impressed the shit out of me. We had John Silver taking on Anthony Bones. I thought they had a good match with John Silver getting the win. Um, And it looks like we're going to have the Dark Order challenging the acclaimed and daddy ass for the uh, trios titles. We had Scorpio Sky taking on Andrade El Idolo. I thought... They had a fine match with um, with Andrade getting the win. And all I can say is with Scorpio Sky, like, I don't know. I think they're also fumbling with Scorpio Sky. I know he just came back from, like, an injury. But I, I just want them to do more with Scorpio Sky. I really do. Now, after the match, Jay White and Bullet Club Gold, they come out. 
He tells Idolo he looked like he was having fun watching his boys last week on Collision. Crowd was chanting asshole. And he says Idolo can, can't have his boys, but he can give him a Switchblade spotlight. He says that it's still his era and Idolo just claps, just claps and gets out of the ring. So I don't know if this is going to lead to Jay White and Andrade feuding because, look, I think that could be a really good match. I think that could be a really, really good match. Um, We know Shibata, he's going to be wrestling at Wrestle Dream against who? I don't know. I don't know who he's going to wrestle, but we're going to wait and see who his opponent is going to be. The Righteous, Vincent, and... I forgot who the other guy's name was, but the Righteous, they got the win over the Hardys. I thought the match was was okay. And this was just a build for them challenging, trying to go after the Ring of Honor tag team titles, which I think the Kingdom should win because there's a story with the Kingdom and Adam Cole and MJF. And I think that's the right direction they should go with. Just my honest opinion. And the women, they closed out the main event with the TBS title on the line as Chris Statlander defended her title against Britt Baker. Um, I thought they had a good main event, a really good main event, with Chris Statlander reversing the lockjaw and rolling up Britt Baker for the win. And that's how much I could say, that's how much I could, uh, tell you how the, how the match was, like, it was good, but just, eh, but it was, like, I, I gotta give both of these women their credit, I thought they did really good, but other than that, Collision was a good show, AEW Dynamite presented Grand Slam at the Arthur Ashe Stadium in New York, and, um, I thought this was a really good episode. They did nine, and I don't talk like view view count that often, but they did a big number. 984,000 people watched it. That's a big number. And close to a million. And this felt like a wrestling, like this was nothing but wrestling, and it was a pay-per-view-esque heavy show. It felt like you're watching a pay-per-view. And how do you start the match off? You have title for title, winner takes all for the Ring of Honor World Championship and the New Japan Strong Openweight Championship. And you have Eddie Kingston, who is the New Japan Strong Openweight Champion. And you got Claudio, who is the Ring of Honor World Champion. Both of these two have a rivalry that goes back to, I believe, death before dishonor. But these two had an excellent opener. I thought these guys really, really killed it. And, like, just, it was a straight-up back-and-forth match. And Eddie Kingston dethroned Claudio Castagnoli, got that big pop for doing it. And I got to tell you, Eddie Kingston has had one hell of a year competing in the G1 Winning the New Japan Strong Openweight Championship. Um, um, let's see. What else? He got to meet his hero in Japan. And now here he is winning the 
um, Ring of Honor world title against his rival Claudio in a really, really great match. And I was really happy for Eddie because he deserves it. This has been his year, and I'm really, really proud of him. Now, after the match, Casanoli offered his hand, and Kingston shakes it, and he throws his title, he throws him the title, so just Eddie Two Belts. It has a nice ring to it. So, And I'm really happy for Eddie Kingston. This has been an incredible journey for him. And from what I heard, he could have hanged up the boots, but now... Here in AEW, I think he's doing great. He's doing great. Just really proud of him. Now, I don't know what you do with Claudio. Now that he lost the Ring of Honor world title, what do you do with him next? Well, there's plenty of options. He could go after the TBS title. Or he could go after the AEW international title. And I'll get to that in a few. But I thought they had a really great opening contest. The Kingdom, they're backstage in Roddy's bedside reading cards to him. Adam Cole comes in and the Kingdom claims it's convenient that he turned up now that as they have to leave. Now Cole says he has to leave too because he has to be there for MJF's title match. And now earlier during the show, MJF and Adam Cole arrived at the building as MJF is cutting a promo on Samoa Joe. And he's looking to do his catchphrase when Cole is distracted as Roddy calls him. Leading MJ up to question if Cole has his back tonight. So we'll get to Adam Cole because there is a story about Adam Cole. And um, and it looks like he might be injured. Now, we also had another video promo of Christian Cage backstage. He says he's bored with Darby Allen. He's ready to move on, but it's obvious that Allen isn't isn't until he gets another shot. So he makes a triple threat match between him, Luchasaurus, and Darby Allen at Collision. And Sting is banned from ringside. I could smell two-on-one handicap between these two. I think that's the destination we're going to be heading. And if this is their way of putting the title on Christian Cage, even though Luchasaurus is technically the TNT champion, I could see them doing it that way in Collision. They could put the title on Christian, and then he has this ego, and this leads to possibly a dissension with Luchasaurus. I don't know. I could see that, but I think they're just going to do this to beat up Darby Allin. We had Chris Jericho. Taking on Sammy Guevara. I thought this was a good match. And I got to mention this about Sammy Guevara for a bit. Sammy Guevara. Oh my goodness. He came out with the light up jacket. And I'm like, you son of a bitch. But I loved it. Because it was so fucking great. It was so fucking great that, um, that literally... Literally, I I was like, that's a nice shot. And also, if there's one thing I caught, Sammy Guevara's attire was based off of Chris Jericho's attire when he wrestled Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 19. And that was a nice thing I caught. And one of 
if there's one thing I will say about this, and I, I I thought this was was just freaking amazing. Um, literally, the best thing, not not the best thing, like literally what happened. Sammy Guevara, he had the match one. Okay, he had the match one with the uh, GTH. So. He goes up top, and I'm thinking to myself, you hit your finisher, just go pin him. But no, instead he goes up at the top, and I'm thinking to myself, he's going for the 630, but he goes for the shooting star press. Jericho caught him with a code breaker. I mean, it looked bad, but I mean, at least it was a nice catch. But Jericho beats Sammy Guevara. And now they move on from their issue, right? Now, they shake hands. They hug it out. When all of a sudden, Sammy Guevara low blows Chris Jericho. Now, this was literally them doing what they did at WrestleMania. They're recreating what Chris Jericho did to Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 19. So he low blows Chris Jericho. And then you're hearing booze, and all of a sudden you see Don Callis. And he walks down and he joins Guevara's side. So it looks like Sammy Guevara is now a part of the Don Callis family, which make things a little bit interesting. So I like this. I thought this was really good. And um and all I can say is this this was a this was a good match. A really, really good match. And now it's time we talk about the AEW International Championship match between Ray Phoenix and John Moxley. I thought the match was good. Okay? I thought it was a not good. I thought it was great. Until the finish. Now, John Moxley versus Ray Phoenix didn't go as planned on Wednesday night at Dynamite's Grand Slam. As not only did Moxley suffer an injury, but he also changed the finish on the fly. Now, for those of you who aren't aware, um, there was a spot in the match where Ray Phoenix hit his finisher in the end, and Rick Knox just stopped the count on two. And, well, it happened when Moxley was rocked after Phoenix hit a dive. So he was clearly concussed. Now, Rick Knox, he made the count and he held up the two and a half, which confused a lot of people. It, it confused me. I'm like, what are you doing? Just count to three. That's it. And Phoenix hit his, uh, his finisher again with the ref making it a three count, making it clear that that wasn't even the finish. Um... Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez of The Observer, they talked about the injury and Moxley suffered a concussion during his match with Ray Phoenix. Now, Alvarez said, so John Moxley was facing Ray Phoenix for the international title and the plan was that he was going to win. He was going to retain the title. And like the very first spot they did, they were balling on the ramp. Ray Phoenix went running and he did a flip dive off the ramp. And he essentially landed right on Moxley's head. His whole body landed on his head. I mean, 
He just pretty much crushed the guy. And Moxley was rocked. And you know, he comes up and he's got this glassy eyes. And the announcers, I think, thought it was a work because they're like, man, look at the glassy eyes on John Moxley. Those are the eyes of a man that has been rocked. And in fact, those were the eyes of a man who had been rocked. And so if you watch it like he stumbled around, he can't get to his feet at first. Yeah, he he got back into the ring and he kind of started to get his bearings. And then they had a match and it was Moxley in there. He's doing a couple of lucha spots, beating on the guy. And apparently what happened was the match went on. He just started not feeling good. And he realized he was not in good shape. And so he told Phoenix, you're going to... You're going to beat me. And so Phoenix hit his pile driver. And you can see, like, you could see Moxley telling a ref to count. And the ref counts one, two, and he just doesn't count. And the crowd just starts booing. And and that's the thing I literally caught. The crowd literally booed that because why did you stop the count? They're getting on their feet for this. And you could see Moxley looking at the ref and goes, Fuck you. And so the referee is like, yeah. So Phoenix picks him up and he gives him another pile driver. And he counted the pin quickly. And that was the end. But the word was, seemed to be a mild concussion. And I guess he was doing a lot better later in the evening. And Melsa said he was okay backstage. It was diagnosed with a mild concussion. And he was not hurt by either pile driver. He got dropped on his head twice and he got a concussion. And he did get a concussion, but it was early on. It's not a good thing to work a match after a concussion. That's for sure. But neither of those pile drivers hurt him at all. So he was, as far as that aspect goes, that wasn't that uh, the dangerous spot working. The match was dangerous, though. There's no doubt. Like I, I was not a fan of... Rick Knox stopping the count because why would you stop the count? Just just why would you stop the count and leave the audience confused? That's the thing I had an issue with with this match. I had an issue with that because I just felt like it could have been something better, you know? But it was still a good match. Moxley held on his own. And even battling through the concussion, just, it was, like, you just should have just counted three. Now, I know Stevie Richards, he did a video about the, uh, that spot, and I know that got taken down by AEW, which, there's so many people who agree with him, some, some people disagree with him, and I like Stevie Richards, I think he's one of the veterans out there. That knows a shit. But um, other than that, I thought it was a good match. Ray Phoenix winning. I did not mind this. I did not mind Ray Phoenix winning because it gives people a reason to uh like it gives people a reason to um literally challenge Ray like I mentioned Claudio Claudio could go after the international title that would be a fucking amazing match that could be an amazing match without a doubt 
Mm-hmm. But other than that, I thought this was really fun. It was a fun match. Our next match was the AEW Women's Championship between Soraya and Tony Storm. And I thought they had a good match. I thought they had a really, really good match with Soraya getting the win. And I, I love Tony Storm. I'm going to be honest. This new gimmick that they're doing with Tony Storm is fucking amazing. I will say that until I am blue in the face. Her gimmick is spot on incredible. I enjoy every second of her. Uh, like I enjoyed every second of this new vignette that she's not this new character that she's doing. She's literally becoming one of my favorite acts in the women's division in AEW. And I was hoping that we get some return. We get a Thunder Rosa return, somebody debuting. Like, we didn't get nothing. Usually at Grand Slam, we get some surprises. But um, other than that, I mean, I thought it was a good match. In the main event, we had the AEW world title on the line as MJF defended his title against Samoa Joe. This was literally all about survival. This match was great. And it literally focused on MJF trying to survive Samoa Joe. And I loved this because it was so good. I was convinced that Samoa Joe was going to win the title. And I would have called him Joey Two Belts. I would have called him Joey Two Belts. That would have been my uh, my thing right there. And MJF wrestled injured. Now, I don't know if this is storyline. I don't know if it's legit, but... He wrestled the match injured, and I think he was... No, I think it was possibly storyline because he was selling the neck injury. Now, he Joe had him in the Kakina clutch. Now, Adam Cole, he comes running, he jumps off, and it looked like he landed awkwardly on his ankle. He might have twisted his ankle. And he limped to the back after the show. And Cole was in, was on his way to the hospital. And, and I hope it's nothing serious. He might have tweaked, like I said, he might have tweaked his ankle after that dive off the ringside and onto the floor. He might have landed wrong, but he went to support Adam. No, he went to support MJF. MJF chokes out Samoa Joe while the ref was distracted. He had like a chain to choke him out. And MJF survives Samoa Joe. And after the match, uh, Joe shoves Cole, offers to shake MJF's hand, and he accepts it. So, other than that, I, like I said, I thought this was really, really good. This was a great main event. It was, like I said, it was about surviving, and that's what MJF did. He survived Samoa Joe. And that's how Grand Slam closed. I thought it was a great show. I know Rampage is going to be two hours, but, uh, I barely watch Rampage, and I'm being real with you guys when I say it, but it was a great, it was a really good episode of Dynamite. Hey you, yes, I'm talking to you. Do you like video games? Do you like watching me play video games? Are you into gaming? Well, what better way to see me in action playing 
different types of games like Fall Guys, uh, Splatoon 2, Chroma Squad, and many others. What better way to find me on Twitch? Twitch is my favorite place to stream, and uh, all I can say is you can, you're going to see greatness in me and gaming. Because I like to entertain my followers and just chat with them, see how their lives are how their lives have gone and you get to watch everything that I do for fun I got it's been four years since I got back into streaming you know like I was the last game I streamed was uh, overwatch but if you or your friends like video games as much as I do and you want to see me play it on twitch which I stream every Saturday make sure you follow me on Twitch at Shino Phoenix just Shino Phoenix and you get to see how fun it is to be a Twitch streamer if you want to be a Twitch streamer yourself make sure you make an account and you get to do great things as well so again make sure you follow me twitch.tv slash Shino Phoenix once again follow me Shino Phoenix and now back to our daily show. Now let's talk about some WWE stuff, and we're gonna start off with some positive stuff. We're gonna start off with a positive with Alexa Bliss revealing the name of her first child. And I say congratulations to Alexa Bliss and her husband Ryan Cabrera. They held a party on Saturday where they announced the name of their first child together. Now, before she was pregnant, Alexa Bliss was off of television after the Royal Rumble this past January where she lost to uh, Bianca Belair. And this was when Bianca had the Raw Women's Championship at that time. Uh, Bliss took some time off from WWE with the belief that she would return eventually and be aligned with the late Bray Wyatt and Uncle Howdy. Now, Wyatt was pulled due to heart issues and Bliss became pregnant back in March. The plans were dropped and unfortunately, Bray Wyatt passed away earlier that month, this month, and uh, still to this day, still to this day, one of the most heartbreaking um moments this year in pro wrestling like I still can't even fathom that Bray's gone like I just can't fathom that like he passed in in August and it, it was just I don't know how I could put it like still talking about this still gets me choked up you know um in May the former Raw and SmackDown Women's Champion announced that she was expecting her first child. The baby girl will be named Hendrix Rogue Cabrera. I like that name. I think that's pretty cute. But congratulations to the happy couple. I'm really happy for Bliss and uh, Ryan. And here's another positive news right here. Another WWE couple announces that they're getting married. And it's a common thing to hear about w couples in WWE getting married. 
There were different reasons for this. The culture was different with wrestlers oftentimes not being on the road together with separate brands and prior to the launch of NXT, there weren't many women on the roster. Now things have changed and there are more women than ever on the roster and the company is doing more to keep the couples together. In NXT, wrestlers are together on most days since they travel primarily consists of driving to small towns around Florida to wrestle on house shows. The latest WWE couple to announce their engagement is Tatum Paxley and Javier Bernal, also known as Big Body Javi. Paxley announced on uh, Twitter, um, she's po- she posted a photo of herself with Bernal and she revealed that she is engaged to be married. Bernal posted photos of himself proposing to her on the beach, which... I think that is a great place to propose. I'm going to be honest with you. That is a great... If I ever have a girlfriend in my life and I plan on proposing to her, I want it to be at a beach because like, I want it where the sun is setting and just pop the question. That would be nice. I, I, I love it. It could be where the sun rises or the sun sets. But I'm happy for Javier and Tatum Paxley. Congratulations to the happy couple. Really, really great to hear stuff like this. Just really good stuff. I love it. Now, let's talk about Jay Cargill. Let's talk about good old Jay Cargill. Um, as you know, her contract with AEW has expired. Her contract with the company has expired. And all I could say, like her last match was against, um, what's, I always forget, uh, Chris Statlander, there we go. Um, she had a good match with Chris Statlander and it was Jay Cargill's last match in AEW and the two hugged each other, showing respect, and then the word quickly spread that Cargill was leaving. Now, this news came after she was on Chris Jericho's podcast and said that she respect Tony Khan because he had treated her well instead of just being a number and that there's nowhere else she would rather be than AEW. But Brian Alvarez on Wrestling Observer Live reported that Cargill was said to be asking for a lot more money to stay with AEW, and it appears that they were not willing to meet her asking price. PW Insider reported that Jay Cargill will be going to the Performance Center in Orlando this week, and her AEW contract has expired. Now, it's unclear exactly where she will be appearing on WWE TV, but the belief is that she will be going straight to the main roster, bypassing NXT. She tried out for WWE years ago but signed before signing with AEW and she became the first TBS champion and remained undefeated until losing to Chris Statlander at Double or Nothing. Now, so WWE has already started uh, working on creative for Jay Cargill and this is where it gets interesting because I saw this on Twitter 
I saw this on Twitter, and apparently, WWE filed a trademark for the name Jada Parker. Now, what does that mean? I don't know. Um, like, I don't know what it could mean, but, uh, other than that, it was, that could be her new name coming if she comes to WWE. Now, Dave Meltzer talked about the create WWE already starting to have creative for her. Alvarez says, the feeling within AEW is she's gone. And I've heard that from people that think that, like, there's still a chance. It's not, like, finished yet. And there were some rumors a couple of days ago that maybe she might be back. But in general, the feeling is she's gone and she's probably going to end up probably going to show up at the Performance Center this coming week. Melsa stated that, yeah, they've already started working on creative for her. I heard that yesterday when I was asking around about is she locked in, and it's like she wasn't locked in, but there were very, there were very, um, they've been talking about her a lot. It's not like this is just some minor thing to them. It's a big thing to them. And she'll get a vocal push because the money to get her, you have to give her a chance to get over because they're not paying what they would pay a normal person to start there. I mean, it's not like it's Charlotte Flair money or Becky Lynch money, but for a newcomer to the company, it's much higher than they usually go. So she got a good deal and she's, and they're talking about her a lot more and, and, then they would talk about somebody bringing up that they were bought up from NXT. She ain't going to be Tegan Knox or somebody who's bought up or Candice LeRae. That's just kind of bought up and she's going to be. Let's see. And Alvarez asks, what would you expect her to start in NXT for a period before going to the main roster or straight to the main roster? But I, I and, and Meltzer said that, um, I did not clarify that as far as I got from the impression, it was the main roster just because of the expense of bringing her in. They could put her in NXT for a while. They And I want to stop right there. They did that with Kevin Owens. They did that with Kevin Owens. He was on NXT for a little while. And right now he's on the main roster. And that's, and that's something um, that you guys could uh, see. That's something you guys could uh, know. But um, came up, wrestled John Cena, and just after dropping the NXT title to Finn Balor, immediately called up. Now, I don't, in a sense, that would make sense, but then you, but then you got to justify the money, so I don't know. Alvarez says, kind of weird too, because a little bit different because Becky Lynch is in NXT, is the NXT champion. Dom has been working there as the North American champion. Rhea's been up there. They called Von Wagner up one day and then he's back down in developmental. So she could sign, she could be signed to a main roster deal. Melser said, well, she is signed to a main roster deal. She's not going in there, but she's not going in there for $68,000 a year. Alvarez said, train at NXT, not necessarily be every single week on TV. 
at the very beginning, but be there. I mean, it's different now as far as what she could do with the main roster contract. Now, we did talk about the contract, about her possibly getting the main roster contract. And I could definitely, definitely see her going to the main roster. And they said she was in Orlando. I asked if if she was at the Performance Center. They haven't seen her. But that doesn't mean that she wasn't there. That's what I was told. They're doing the main roster creative for her right now. And it's a high priority. They're not bringing her in. How they would bring in some of the NXT people like Von Wagner, Alba Fire, she's a good one, or Katana Chance that are bought up and they have like no idea what to do with them. And don't worry, we're going to talk about this when we talk about the releases. And they just kind of disappear into the dust. It's almost like, why even bother calling them up? She is not earmarked to be like that. She's earmarked for real stuff. But with Jay Cargill, I think she will be a success on the main roster if WWE plays their card right. I just feel like she could be one of those names where that could be a major player in this company. And if you were to ask me, do you bring her to Raw or do you bring her to SmackDown? Like, if you look at... SmackDown, I think they could use some help. Like, and if you want a marquee match that everybody's going to talk about, look no further than Jay Cargill against Bianca Belair, Jay Cargill against Charlotte Flair, Jay Cargill against EO Sky, Jay Cargill against Bailey, Jade against Asuka. On Raw, the only names that I could see that make sense are Rhea Ripley, Shayna Baszler, Zoe Starks, um... And, uh, let's see. I know I'm... And Raquel Rodriguez. Those are the only names I could think of, but I honestly think she might go to SmackDown. I think that's the destination she's going to be landing. Hell, you you never know. You might see her in the crowd for NXT No Mercy. You never know. Anything can happen. They could have her start NXT briefly. They could have her beat Becky Lynch for the NXT Women's title. And they could pull the Kevin Owens. They call her up. Do something, I don't know. Have a feud with Bianca Belair. And Bianca has a story right there. She's never won the NXT women's title. Like, I'm just throwing that out there. That would be a great idea, but... I still think she's going to be strictly to the main roster. I think that's the destination that we're going to be having for uh, Bianca Belair. Uh, for Not Bianca, for uh, Jay Cargill. And I think Jade's going to do fine in WWE. Jade is going to do just fine. Now, last Friday, it was cutting season for WWE employees behind the scenes. And don't worry, we're not done with, we're not done talking about releases because um, I do, I do. We'll, I will be talking about talents that will let go. But um, WWE made several cuts to its employees following the merger of UFC and WWE after Endeavor's acquisition of WWE. 
where the companies have since transitioned into one under TKO Holdings Group. The cuts were expected since there would be departures that both companies already have in place. It would be more cost efficient to have those departments join into one. A surprising name who was let go was Jamie Horowitz, who held the post of executive uh, vice president of development and digital at WWE after he signed with WWE in June of 2021. He had been working at DAZN as executive vice president of global content where he was brought into the company by WWE president Nick Khan. All right. While speaking with the Observer, Dave Meltzer noted that Horowitz wasn't uh, well-liked in uh, WWE. And he said, and I quote, Jamie Horowitz was let go. He was the biggest name. He was one of Nick Khan's first major hires off the DAZN when Nick Khan was stripping DAZN. There was a lot of negativity when he was hired. A lot of women employees, because of his rep from ESPN, were not happy. He wasn't well-liked in WWE, from what I understand, but he was a major executive. And, ouch. That's going to leave a mark. And apparently, with the releases, you're going to expect a lot of morale being taken a hit. Now, PW Insider, they reported... That the morale among WWE employees have been decimated would be an understatement. Um, they were told that it has been a sad morning for some returning to the office today as they come across empty desks while knowing their co-workers wouldn't be coming back. WWE will need a lot of money, a lot of heavy lifting in the days of the division as the divisions are smaller than they were a few days ago. Nick Khan noted in an email Friday that the, that the layoffs were done. Some in WWE noted this wouldn't have happened under Stephanie McMahon's watch as one in charge, as the one in charge, but that's hard to say. McMahon worked hard to build morale and install pride amongst those working for the company last year as co-CEO with Khan. And it sucks, again. I don't like to hear about people losing their jobs, but the other guy, Jamie Horowitz, if he wasn't well-liked, then then that's, that's an issue. That's an issue that has to be addressed. If the women employees had issues with him, somebody has to come out and literally say what he did because just, it, it's, it's crazy. Like, it's literally crazy. But I hope uh, those who lost their jobs, they have a backup plan. But they're not, the WWE employees are not the only one who lost their jobs. The talent, we will get to in a second, because that's another big story that we're going to be discussing. Now, when in doubt, there's always going to be a WWE tryout, and there's going to be some familiar names that you may be familiar with. Now, it's a mix of independent wrestlers and college athletes. The company will sign a group of them for the latest Performance Center class, where 
they will train at the facility. Now, names that were previously confirmed for the trial included Davey Gold from the Monster Factory, AEW Dog veteran Jay Malachi, MLW veteran Richard Holiday, Fit Finley's son Brogan Finley, wrestler and NWA referee Jamie Stanley, AEW Dark and MLW um, a MLW alumni Ray Jazz, Demaris Largo, WOW and OVW's Hollywood Haley J, OVW's The Wrestlers, um, Kelsey Hornock, I think Kelsey Heather, that's her, Valentina Faraz, no, Valentina Rossi, and Maddie Rinkowski, and I also heard Jasmine Allure also got a tryout. PW Insider reports that Jessica Roden will be at this week's uh, WWE tryout. She was trained by Rikishi. She mainly wrestles in California and Nevada, but has also worked in episodes of Dark. So some of these names, I hope they get some deals. Some of them, like Maddie Winkowski, she is just great. I will say that because I met Maddie Winkowski at one of the Wildcat shows. She is phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. And I, I could tell you right now that she could be one of the best heels in that women's division. Like, she showed it in NWA. She showed it on Mission Pro. Mission Pro got me into Maddie Winkowski. Jasmine Allure, she could be another underdog story. Kelsey Heather would be a nice story you could tell. And Valentina Rossi, she competed um, on the indies. I know about her. Richard Holiday is an interesting name. I could definitely see him. Like, I don't see him in WWE, but it's possible. I, I just don't see it, but... But we'll see who's who's going to get the contract. We're going to see. Now, it looks like there's some good news about Randy Orton. Now, for those of you who don't know, let me give you the rundown on what happened with Randy. Uh, Randy has been dealing with uh, a back injury. He's been dealing with um, a back injury for years. And the pain got worse. It's been so bad that he hasn't appeared on WWE programming in over a year. The last time he wrestled was against the Usos when he teamed with Matt Riddle for the uh, undisputed tag team titles. Now, Riddle noted in an interview that Orton was in so much pain that he collapsed backstage after the match. And his status has been in question, and there's been talks that he may never return to the ring again. And Bob Orton said earlier this year that doctors advised his son against wrestling again, but Randy is going to do what he wants. And he believed, and he believes that he would attempt to make a comeback. In recent months, we haven't heard much from Randy. And uh, aside from a few photos that have leaked that show that he's in great shape. The Wrestle Ops on Twitter, posted a video that was sent to them by a fan, and it showed that Orton was walking into the Performance Center in Orlando. Now, it's not clear where things stand, but typically when a wrestlers go to the PC to work out and see where they are 
where they're at before getting cleared to a, to return. Now, we don't know what his status is, but the fact that he flew to Orlando gives a lot of people hope that he will be back in the ring at some point. And I hope we get to see Orton back. I really do miss him. Like, I don't know how they're going to do this. If, if he is cleared and he comes back at the Royal Rumble... Boy, can you imagine the pop that this guy is going to get? Can you imagine the pop that he is going to get if he, um, like, if he, if he comes back? That will be insane. If you hear, I hear voices in my head, oh my god, I will lose my shit. I might actually do a watch party for the Royal Rumble. You know what? I, I I might think about that. For the Royal Rumble, I'll do a watch party on kick. Again, we're gonna I'm gonna play the rule like we're not gonna have the, the sound be max because I don't wanna get copyrighted. I don't want my account to be terminated. We're just gonna watch, we're gonna have some popcorn, and I'll be interacting with you guys in the chat. Just we're gonna we got a lot of fun stuff planned. But um I cannot wait. If this is... Now, maybe he's just there to just see if he's good. And if he gets the word that he's cleared, oh, this is going to be even great. And I can't wait. I honestly cannot wait because this is a major, major deal. Now, speaking of contract, Now, not contracts. Speaking of expiring deals, like... I didn't even talk about expiring deals, but a former world champion could become a free agent in a few months. Fightful Select has reported that um, Sheamus' contract is set to expire in a few months. There aren't many details available except that it that it's believed that his deal expires in the early part of 2024. That is not confirmed, though. Keep in mind that WWE extends deals because of injuries, but is not confirmed if his deal was extended. Sheamus signed a developmental deal back in 2006, and he's been used as a steady hand on the mid-card and occasionally on the main event picture throughout his run with the company. For those of you wondering about AEW, if he becomes a free agent, it's possible he could sign with them. It's possible that he could sign with them, and he has friends there. One of his best friends, Edge, is rumored to make the jump to AEW. And WWE would be crazy. WWE would be fools if they let if they let Sheamus walk. That would be a major 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 mistake because I honestly feel like he can be a big star I honestly feel that um he could be like if there's one title he's never won is the intercontinental title and I think he hasn't even won that yet do I think he's just do I think he's gonna stay absolutely I think he's gonna stay but you never know Anything can happen in pro wrestling. I would be shocked if Sheamus leaves. Like, I would be absolutely shocked if he leaves. 
And it would be a major, major mistake on WWE's part to let him go. All right? But I just hope they are negotiating a deal with Sheamus. Just like they're trying to negotiate something with LA Knight. Because if you lose Sheamus and LA Knight, that's it. That's it. You're done. You're done. Now we know where the Elimination Chamber will be taking place. And WWE will be returning to Australia with the Elimination Chamber in Perth. Now, premium live event scheduled for Saturday, February 24th at the Optus Stadium. Fans across the world can register now for early pre-sale access. Australia and Stanford, Connecticut, this is a statement from WWE, um, in partnership with the Western Australian government through Tourism Western Australia today announced its long-awaited return to Australia for the globally televised premium live event, the Elimination Chamber, Perth, will take place at the Optus Stadium in Perth, Western Australia on Saturday, February 24th. 2024. This will mark the first event in Australia since 2018 and the only premium live event in Asia's Pacific region in 2024. Fans across the globe interested in an exclusive pre-sale opportunity can register, which I'm not going to say the site, Located in the heart of Perth, the capital of Western Australia, a famed travel destination with global renowned record in hosting cultural and sporting events. The multi-purpose world-class Optus Stadium opened in 2018 and has hosted multitude of sport and entertainment events, including the Australian Football League Grand Finals, the State of Origins, Ed Sheeran's Tour, Taylor Swift's Reputation Tour, Eminem's Rapture Tour, U2's Joshua Tree Tour, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and the upcoming Australian exclusive Coldplay Music of the Spheres Tour. Uh, Perth is the perfect location for the major WWE premium live event in Australia, following a series of record-breaking events and iconic international destinations, says Senior Vice President Chris Lingentil. Uh, with a week full of WWE events and experiences, we hope to leave a lasting memory for Western Australia and the entire WWE universe. Hosting WWE in Perth is a real coup for our state as it will shine a global spotlight on Western Australia to billions of viewers worldwide, attract thousands of out-of-state visitors to Western Australia and create an incredible atmosphere in the city for the local community and visitors alike. Uh, said Han Rita Safiati, MLA, Western Australia Deputy Premier and Minister of Tourism. The WA government through Tourism WA is proud to support exclusive events that will generate millions of dollars for the local economy highlighted um, highlighted by um, is proud to support this exclusive event that will generate millions of dollars for the local economy and highlight of Western Australia as a world-class event destination. I encourage everyone 
to Western Australia for WWE to extend for WWE to extend their trip to explore more of our wondrous state as part of the once in a lifetime opportunity. Com- com- commenting on this historic announcement, Rhea Ripley says, "I am beyond proud to represent Australia every single step." Time I step inside the WWE ring to bring premium live event to Perth is a dream come true. Get ready, Australia, because mommy is coming home. The 2023 WWE Elimination Chamber no, uh, Elimination Chamber from the Bell Center in Montreal broke multiple company records. Viewerships of the event saw 54% increase versus prior to the record set in 2022. It also marked the new high point for gate, merchandise, and sponsorship. Uh, Perth will be broadcast live at approximately 165 countries in 25 languages and seen in more than 1 billion homes. Information regarding the tickets on sale and further events updates will be available in the coming weeks. And I'm actually excited for this. Like... They did great in in Canada. They did great. They're going to do great in Australia. That's going to be freaking amazing. I am looking forward to uh to to uh Elimination Chamber, but when I'm looking forward to it, at the same time it's sad because of what happened with uh one of the names that got released. And we're going to discuss that when we talk about releases. So, but this is good. Another international premium live event, which I think WWE should do more of. And I want them to go to Japan. I think they should do a premium live event in Japan. Why not? I think that would get more people to to uh, watch. You know? But um, in a bombshell, let's talk about this bombshell announcement. SmackDown is going to be returning to USA Network as part of a five-year agreement between WWE and NBC Universal. So in a statement, um, WWE, part of TKO, and NBC Universal have agreed to a five-year domestic media rights partnership that will bring SmackDown back to USA Network beginning on October 2024. Additionally, beginning 2024-25 season, WWE will produce four primetime specials per year that will air on NBC marking the first time WWE will air on a network in prime time. This press release features multimedia uh, features multimedia. SmackDown will come exclusively to NBCU one one of the television's longest running programs regularly rating at as a number one show for the 18 of 49 demographics on Friday nights featuring Superstars including Cena, Reigns, Bianca, Flair, and Rey Mysterio. NBC Universal has been a tremendous partner for WWE for decades, says Nick Khan. We are excited to extend this long-standing relationship by bringing SmackDown to the USA Network on Friday nights and look forward to debuting multiple special events annually on NBC. Now, Frank Berwick who is the chairman of NBC Universal Entertainment, says it's a privilege and a thrill to continue NBCU's decades-long partnership with WWE, which has helped cement USA Network consistent 
position as the top-rated cable entertainment network in live viewership. With Friday nights on USA, primetime specials on NBC, and the WWE Hub on Peacock, we'll continue to use the power of the por- our portfolio to super serve this passionate fan base. And as part of WWE's NBC and NBC's Universal's long-standing relationship, USA Network is currently the home to NXT and Monday Night Raw, which is number two in the cable program. And demonstrating a deeply engaged WWE audience on USA and Raw are up double digits over year over year in the target demographic. And Monday Night Raw and NXT will continue to air on USA Network through September of next year. In addition, Peacock has been an exclusive home for WWE Network in the U.S. where Peacock subscribers can stream thousands of hours of on-demand programming from WWE, including original series, groundbreaking documentaries, fan favorites, uh, shows from the WWE archives, and premium live events like WrestleMania, Survivor Series, Royal Rumble, SummerSlam, and more. WWE continues to drive high engagements on the platform with this April's WrestleMania's live stream delivering record-breaking rec- uh, weekend for Peacock as its highest weekend usage to date. Now, what does this mean for Raw and NXT? With SmackDown's return, it will reportedly mean the end for Raw and NXT on SmackDown. The Hollywood Reporter reports... While the new deal will bring WWE to NBC primetime on SmackDown to US and SmackDown on USA, it will also mean the end of Raw and NXT on USA. A source told the media outlet that the talks for the Raw rights are extremely active with traditional linear network streaming services and unexpected players all interested. Now, again... I don't know what this mean, what this could mean for Raw, because Raw has been the home for USA Network, and same with NXT. But I just can't imagine them going to another location, you know. But this is a bombshell right here about SmackDown moving to Fox, uh, moving to USA Network, because they aired on USA Network. Since 2016 all the way to 2019 before moving to Fox. Now the Wall Street Journal reports that people familiar with the pack valued it as roughly $1.4 billion. Which is about 40% increase over the deal WWE had with Fox. As previously reported because SmackDown is returning to USA Network. uh, It isn't expected to renew the rights for Raw and NXT. So, that's going to cost as much as the rights for Raw and NXT. Now, I don't know where this is going to lead. I'm, I'm not like a business guy, but seeing SmackDown coming back to, to USA Network, that's a big, big deal. And if I recall, I think Fox wasn't happy with how SmackDown was doing in the ratings, but, I mean, what else can you say? But, uh... 
Speaking of other businesses, and this is a minor one, and I might as well say this. Enjoy WWE content on Hulu while you can, because next week, it was confirmed that their content will be expiring next week. And they had a reality show with Bianca and Montez Ford in the works that was going to air on Hulu, but now we don't know what's going to happen. So it looks like that's going to be the end for WWE and Hulu. And other than that, SmackDown moving to USA Network, I think it's a good deal. I, I don't know how Fox is paying them, but I think they're going to do well on USA Network, but it is what it is. But what 40% increase, $1.4 billion. That's a lot. That's a lot of money they got. But other than that, it, it, there's really not much I can say. I'm not a business guy. I'm no analytics of business. I'm just a wrestling fan. But this was a big deal to talk about because this is going to be another new era for SmackDown. And I can't wait to see what's next for them. All right. Now let's talk about good old Vince McMahon because there's a story with him and apparently he might be forced he might be forced to leave um uh WWE but we got some news about how he spoke with the employees during a meeting at the company's headquarters Now WWE had everyone work remotely on Friday as they made employee cuts following the merger between WWE and UFC after Endeavor acquired WWE. As the company have since transitioned into one under TKO Holdings Group. The cuts were expected for months. As people knew there would be departments that both companies already have in place. And it would be more cost efficient to have those departments to join into one. Since then, like we mentioned, the morale took a hit because of that. Nick Khan called for a mandatory meeting on Tuesday, which happened this morning with Khan, Vince McMahon, and Endeavor's head, Ari Emanuel. PW Insider reports that the three executives were all present and spoke at the meeting, which lasted about 12 to 15 minutes. It was a typical rah-rah gathering and they promised that the future and the outlook for WWE is great. They praised each other and put over the success of the merger into TKO and WWE as a whole. And ever since returning to the company, well, ever since he forced his way back to the company, McMahon has rarely been spotted at Titan Towers. Now... There was another report that Vince McMahon was actually using a cane to walk up the stairs to the stage. And then he walked to the podium when he spoke. Which the report added that McMahon played up to the employees. I'm Vince McMahon, damn it. However, when the joke didn't go over well, he says, this is when you are supposed to clap before monitoring motioning for a response, and later, when they did clap, he joked, you're learning. McMahon was the only WWE executive not to speak with the employees after the meeting, which 
was filmed with a full-on WWE crew and all the executives came out from behind an old Raw set. And the cane was because he had spinal surgery. He had spinal surgery. And, um... But things may not be looking good with Vince. Like, the meeting was the rah-rah, but things are not looking good for Vince. As we go back, as... We ha- there was a f- government investigation onto the payments that were made by Vince with the hush money scandal last summer that was not recorded in WWE's annual accounts. He allegedly paid at least $14.6 million to several women, including former WWE employees, um, to keep them quiet about allegations of sexual misconduct and infidelity since 2006. Another $5 million was paid for Donald Trump's foundations for Trump's appearance on the television in 2007 to uh, 2009. A search warrant was served and executed by the feds after a federal grand jury signed off a subpoena to McMahon on July 17th. Although no charges have been filed against him yet. Jacob Finkel, the chair of Dickinson, Dickinson Wright Government Investigations and Security Enforcement Practice Groups and a former senior counsel of the SEC's Division of Enforcement told the LA Times that McMahon could face criminal or civil liabilities that may force him out of his WWE role. Now he said, depending on potential findings following the inquiry into Vince McMahon, McMahon could face criminal and or civil liabilities that could prevent him from serving as an officer or director of a public company. Ignis LaHound, a former WWE board member, resigned when Vince forced forcefully returned to the company. He was quoted by stating, it wasn't aligned with my way of seeing what governance is, is and there is, there was a misalignment with what my values are. He added, he, he said, okay, do whatever you guys need to do. I'm not going to stand in your way. Of course, when the board said, well, you know, we think you need to step down. He wasn't happy about it, but he did it. Uh, someone close to one of the outed directors said McMahon viewed its investigation as an act of disloyalty despite knowing the board was doing its job. And this bombshell report by Axios reported that an SEC filings hints that he may leave WWE. Keyword may leave WWE. Now, Axios has a story about the registration filings done by TKO and notes that it enables him to avoid the lockup period that applies to other TKO stockholders like Endeavor and Silver Lake. TKO first disclosed his registration plan on page 184 of the SEC filings in August. The filing notes 
McMahon, along two other TKO executives, will be selling stockholders in this offering. This would indicate McMahon's eventual departure from the company. TKO noted in regulatory filings that McMahon's membership on the board could expose us to negative publicity. And keep that in mind. I want y'all to keep that in mind. Negative publicity. And or have other adverse financial and operational impacts on our business. His membership also may result in additional scrutiny or otherwise exacerbate the other risks described herein. Any of these outcomes could directly or indirectly have adverse financial and operational impacts on our business. And... And I, I could definitely see that happening. I could literally see if there's more evidence that comes in with Vince McMahon. And if he is planning on leaving, I mean, I could definitely see Endeavor doing something like having him leave. And I don't know how this is going to, how the TKO thing is going to work. This new company is going to work. Without Vince, because Ari Emanuel wanted Vince in this deal. But with this bombshell, like, I won't believe it until I see it. Because knowing Vince, he finds a way out of everything. That's why I, I'm i not going to celebrate yet. Because, and I think you should do the same thing too. I don't think it's a matter of, of um, oh, he's going to be gone. Just... Don't celebrate too early because you never know. You never know. All right? Because he still has to work on his his issues. But the Vince McMahon stuff, if there's more details, I will let you guys know on that. It was spring cleaning on September 21st, 2023 for the talents. Now... There were names who were released. And I want to start off with the main roster. Let's start with the main names that come to mind. We're going to start with Mustafa Ali. Mustafa Ali. He was in the middle of a program for the NXT North American Championship against Dominic Mysterio. Like, he was legitimately on NXT this week. Questioning the logic on why Dragon Lee is challenging Dominic for the NXT North American title on Monday Night Raw. When he is pretty much next in line at no mercy. And and he pretty much announced that he was no longer with the WWE. And it, it was a shock. It was a blatant shock because I did not expect... Ali of all people to be let go because I thought he was doing well in uh, NXT. Like I honestly thought he was doing well on NXT and his character work is fucking fantastic. Like how will I remember his run in NXT on WWE? He had an excellent match with Buddy Matthews. He had an excellent match with Cedric Alexander. He um. Like, we're not going to talk about the Retribution stuff because 
Retribution was a complete and utter failure. He really wanted out, but Vince denied it. And like he was having great matches of that this year. And it sucks that um that he's no longer uh on in this company because I felt like they could do more with um with Mustafa Ali. Now, where does he go? There's three places I could see him going. Maybe four. I could see him in AEW. Not everybody who leaves WWE or gets released from WWE goes straight to AEW. I could see... um, I could see him in New Japan. Mixing it up with the Super Juniors. Like, I could definitely see that as a possibility. I could definitely see him matching up with Will Ospreay. I could see him in Impact Wrestling with the X Division. And he could finally showcase what the fuck that this company missed out on. Like, and I'm being real when I say that. Just, um, all, all this is is they dropped the ball with Ali. They dropped the ball with him. But I could definitely see him in MLW as well. I could see him in MLW, but out of all the names, I could see Ali possibly going to AEW or Impact or New Japan. Another name was Emma. She was excited about Australia host, hosting Elimination Chamber and then all of a sudden, she gets the word that she's released by WWE, which is fucked up. Like, it's absolutely fucked up. They bought her back last year. Okay, they bought her back last year. And she did absolutely nothing. Yes, she feuded with Karrion Cross and Scarlet, but there was really nothing that she can do on, on the main roster. Is like they had her manage Riddick Moss, who is also let go. And again, Riddick Moss was a Paul Heyman guy. Riddick Paul Heyman loved Riddick Moss. They wanted to push him in the top, but it just it just didn't work the way it wanted it to. Now, Emma and Riddick Moss, I definitely see them going back to Impact Wrestling. I definitely see them doing Impact. You could do Deanna Perrazzo and Steve Macklin. With Tennille Dashwood and Riddick Moss. That's a possibility. So Impact is the destination for them. Uh, Rick Boogs was one of the names that was let go. And they really didn't do much with Rick Boogs. Like they didn't do um, shit with Rick Boogs. They moved him to SmackDown. And... Like, he, he was full of charisma. Even the stuff with Nakamura, he was full of charisma. They just did not capitalize on that. And I think that was one of the problems, you know? That was one of the big problems. And I don't know what they do with Riddick Moss. But if you want a surprise, I could definitely see him in uh, New Japan. I could definitely see him doing something in New Japan. Aaliyah. Another name that was shockingly like, well, another name that was let go because they really didn't do much with Aaliyah. 
after she lost the women's tag titles, they really didn't do much. I don't know what they have planned. I don't know what Aaliyah has planned for her future, but um, I don't know. It just sucks that they didn't use her properly. Top dollar of Hit Row. That one surprised me a little bit. There's one thing I'm going to miss is Michael Cole um, just insulting Top Dollar on commentary. There's ne- never going to be something like that. And that made me, when I heard about that, I was thinking, what does this mean for Ashanti the Adonis? What does this mean for B-Fab? And when I look at it, like, I just see that Hit Row just did not work on the main roster. Like, I just think it doesn't work. It worked in NXT, but it just doesn't work on the main roster. And the big two names that surprised me were Shelton Benjamin and Dolph Ziggler. Now, now if you would have asked me, Sheena, where do you see Top Dollar going? I could see Top Dollar going to uh, NWA. And yes, I can't believe I'm saying that. Or he could go to MLW. Maybe he'd just do some indie shit. But it's just sad that he got cut. But Shelton Benjamin. Shelton Benjamin is a veteran. And I just think it's messed up that they didn't put him and Cedric in NXT. That could really, really help the tag team division. Like, I was just literally... Like, I I was thinking they could have him as a coaching. They could put him... As a coach at the Performance Center, if they don't want him to wrestle, have him be a coach. I think that would be a nice move uh, on his on their part. But wherever his future holds, um, I could definitely see him in New Japan. I could see him in AEW. Like it's a poss- it's a possibility. You never know what's on the mind of Shelton Benjamin. But Dolph Ziggler was a name that really shocked me because I mean he's been around in this company for like decades the man can work he can sell his ass off but apparently Vince McMahon was not high on Dolph Ziggler why I don't know why I don't know the guy is so good in the ring and you mean to tell me you don't have anything planned for Dolph Ziggler the last time we saw Dolph Ziggler he was beaten up by JD McDonough that was the last we saw of him and Dolph Ziggler, he has done a lot of stuff in his career. And I'm not saying that his run in WWE was a failure. He had some excellent moments. He won the NXT title, the Intercontinental title, the U.S. title, tag titles. Won, cashed in successfully, got a big reaction, and won the World Heavyweight Championship. Had it not been for the concussion he had, he would have been the main player in WWE. I could definitely see Dolph Ziggler... Possibly in AEW. Possibly teaming with his brother. It's a possibility. But those were the main roster talents that were cut. Now on the NXT side, because NXT got gutted as well. Um, Quincy Elliott, apparently he had... He was rubbing a lot of people the wrong way behind the scenes. Um, Bryson Montana was another name that got cut. Dana Brooke was the one that got me a little bit. I'm like, 
They brought her back to NXT to improve. She was in a program with Kalani Jordan. She was she was going to feud with Kalani Jordan, but now that's not going to happen. Um, I don't know where Dana Brooke goes from here. Maybe she could do some independence. Maybe do something on the indies. I could definitely see that, but um, we'll we'll see what's next for Dana Brooke. We had Mansoor and Mace. They are no longer with the company, which is a shame because I thought they were really entertaining. Daba Kato, Baba Tunde, Commander Aziz, he's no longer there. Shanky, they bought him back for that India show, and then they just really didn't have nothing for him. Yulissa Leon was one of the names that was let go. Apparently, she axed. For her release, Daniel MacArthur, you have Kevin Ventura Cortez, Alexis Gray, Brooklyn Barlow, and Ekman Jiro. Those are the names that have been let go. And as I am recording this, I don't think there's any other names that have been released at the moment. But it's sad. Like, I don't like to hear about people losing their jobs. I really don't. It And it sucks. It sucks. And there are people on social media who are celebrating these guys losing their jobs because, oh, I don't see nothing in them. Oh, they're, they're not even worth the time. Oh, they're a waste of space. Like, if you're one of those people and you're celebrating and I know it's going to be hypocritical of me because... No, 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 no. It's going to be hypocritical when you turn a blind eye and then you... Roof. It's not like just rooting for them. It's literally you are happy that somebody lost their jobs when they have to pay their house, they have to pay for the electric bill, they have to pay their car insurance, all that other stuff. And these people are out of a job. And when these releases were coming, I've been and I did, I just did not like doing this. I I literally said. Like, I had to look at people who are not even being used. Like, like I had to look at people who are not getting an opportunity. And I literally fault WWE for that. Like, they should have those names that I mentioned. They weren't even given a chance to showcase what they can do. Either... Like, if you don't have any plans for them, why bother calling them up? Like, you could keep them in NXT and just do something with them. Don't just hire them for the sake of hiring them. But I don't want to see people celebrating that somebody lost their jobs. Alright? Like, if just because, oh, I don't like them. Oh, they were never going to get over. Etc, etc. Like, those types of people, you got to go away. You have to go away. Now, if you were a piece of shit and people want to just work and have a good time and you're acting like an asshole, then you deserve to be fired, okay? Let me clarify that. That was the CM Punk situation. But if you got cut and they just cut you out of your contract and you have to find out... Like, Riddick Moss find out, found out on social media. Like, no phone call, nothing. He just found out on social media. And that's sad. But to all the talent out there that got released, keep your head up. 
One door closes, another one opens. Always search for an opportunity that... Like, just always have a backup plan just in case something like that happens. Like, and that goes for any talent in WWE. Like, I'm sad that all of them... Are, like, I'm shocked that some of them are gone. Especially Ali, Ziggler, and Shelton Benjamin. And Dana Brooke. And Mason Mansoor. And Ikeman Jiro was one of the names that got cut. Like, really sad. But as... Because usually it'll be like 50 or 30. There was like 23-ish people that got let go talent-wise. Talent but um, I just hope everybody finds a backup plan. And it's really sad to hear about talent releases. You, you don't... I don't like talking about it. It's just hard to talk about it. You know? But other than that, I wish everybody nothing but the best. And hopefully... They could get back on their feet. Don't throw a pity party. Just find a backup plan. Monday Night Raw took place at the Delta Center in Salt Lake City, Utah. And um, let me be real for one second. Let me be real. There were some good things on the show. There were some not so good things on the show. And the way I look at it, that is the category of meh. It was a meh edition of, of Monday Night Raw. And we kicked things off with Cody Rhodes. He kicks the show off and he's asking, So, Salt Lake City, what do you want to talk about? What do you want to talk about? And he says they could talk about Jay Uso. And... After being interrupted last week. And what happened? He gets interrupted. By Dominic Mysterio again. So it's a repeat. So Dom comes out. He gets booed. And he says the only thing fans need to know about Jey Uso. Is that once he joined the ju Judgment Day. Uh, they will continue being the most dominant faction in WWE. He mentioned that Rhea Ripley was not here because... Kayfabe-wise, she was in Australia, and she was she was uh, there for the announcement for Elimination Chamber in Perth. So they used a storyline injury that um, Nia took her out last week, but she'll be back sooner and better than ever. He says, I'm going to dedicate this victory over Rhodes tonight to Ripley. And... Rhodes is mocking the loud boos raining down on Dom as he's trying to speak. He says maybe his win tonight will, will be the thing that impressed Ripley enough to define their relationship. And he pulled the Family Matter reference. You remind me of Steve Urkel and Laura. And look, Family Matters, hands down. One of my favorite TV sitcoms of all time. Like, I love Family Matters. The, like, the first four, five seasons was great, and then it got a little silly on the sixth and the end. But, anyway. And Dom seems to be far more into Ripley than she is to him. He says Ripley seems to have eyes for Jay, and Dom is getting on a defensive he says Judgment Day is a family 
and Jay will understand once he becomes a member, which the opening segment, it was it was fine for what it was. Really not nothing that screams excitement or some just not something that screams like excitement for me. Um but Cody Rhodes and Dom, this was a rematch at Money in the Bank. Um this match it was okay. It was okay for what it was. They showed Dragon Lee in the crowd and they did announce that Dragon Lee will be challenging um will be challenging Dom for the NXT North American title next week on Monday Night Raw. So I think this will be a great way for people to see how great Dragon Lee is, but I think WWE didn't didn't do a good job on like they should have done a vignette on who Dragon Lee is. That way some people can understand who he is. But um I digress. So Cody Rhodes, he got a win over Dominic, go figure. After the match, Judgment Day looks to attack Rhodes, but Kevin Owens and Sammy made the save. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, are we going to do another match with Judgment Day, Cody, Sammy, and KO? Thankfully, that did not happen. Now, Judgment Day, they backed out. They backed out, and Kevin Owens stops Cody, and he tells him, Get back to the ring because we got to talk about something. And we go to commercial break. The match itself, like I said, it was fine for what it was. But the post-match, this is where it gets interesting. Now, after the break, Owens, Kevin Owens clarifies that Jay Uso is back on Raw because of you. And Rose confirms that is the case. Now, Owens had to remind Cody... That Jay did a lot while he was part of the bloodline. And he asks, why did you think it was, why did you thought bringing Jay to Raw was a good idea? Seeing as a lot of people in the back need to hear why you did so. Now, Rhodes says that fans probably know where he's going with this. And his job is to make the people happy. He says Jay is one of the best in the world and he deserves a second chance. He says that everyone should give him the time to prove that he's changed. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. The bloodline is down a member. Zane, he's chiming in on Cody Rhodes' echoing on, on um, Jay Uso. And he tells Owens that they've both given each other a second chance before he and Jay, before he... Before and he doesn't need to trust Jay right away. Owens is saying, Look, I hear you, and I'll pretend that Jay didn't cost them their undisputed Universal Championship opportunities or close to joining the Judgment Day if he wants to. He doesn't trust, while he doesn't trust Jay, he trusts both of them and he hopes they're right and he goes to the back. So what they're doing is it looks like they're teasing a dissension between Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. If this is going to lead to the breakup, then I could definitely see that happening. I could definitely see that happening. Now, later during the show, we see Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn arguing about Jay. 
Jade comes in and he confronts Owens and telling him that if you got something to say, you should say it in my face. So they get a verbal exchange and Owens storms off. Zayn explains to Jade that Owens needs some time to come around and tell him to chill. Um, he says Jay has a decision to make tonight in regards to the Judgment Day. So, because in the main event is going to be Jay, in the main event it was Jay Uso against Drew McIntyre. Now, again, like I said, I feel like this is going to lead to uh, a dissension between Kevin Owens and Sammy. I think that is the destination that we're going to be heading. Um. Going back, we rewind what happened last week between Raquel Rodriguez and Rhea Ripley when Nia Jax got involved. And she took out both of these women after Rhea retained. Michael Cole provided an update on Ripley and Rodriguez. And he noted that Ripley suffered a rib injury and is on a day-to-day -day basis while Rodriguez is recovering from a whiplash. So the story they're trying to tell is nobody is safe from Nia Jax. I think that's the story they're trying to tell. Now, later, now not later during the show, you'll see a Nia Jax later. But up next, we had Kofi Kingston and Ivar. And we all, I thought that this was going to be one of those matches where nobody would care. But let me tell you something. After watching that match, this was the best match on the entire show. This was an outstanding match outstanding match and the reason I say that is because is because you look at Ivar and we rarely see him in singles action now Eric of the Viking Raiders he was he was pulled from the show we don't know why maybe it was an illness but Ivar got the chance to showcase how good he is as a singles competitor. We all know how great Kofi Kingston is. We all know that. We all know that 100%. Now, the way I see it, the way I see this, just looking at how he's been booked, I thought they, I thought they did a really great job with this match. With Kofi getting the win. These two absolutely killed it. And I would recommend watching this match. I thought this was a sleeper match in a great way. And I love sleeper matches. We go into this with zero expectation and they go out there and they put on a show. The, the crowd was into this match. They were into this match. If you go back and watch it, they were into it. Ivar did a fucking moonsault off the top rope. Which was honestly impressive to see. And just, it was picture perfect. A picture perfect moonsault. But Kofi, he got the win, and I don't think this feud is over with the New Day and the Viking Raiders. We go to Shinsuke Nakamura. He's heading to the ring when Seth Rollins' music hits, and he's fought, like Seth Rollins comes out, and he's trying to go after Nakamura, where you got Adam Pearce and officials trying to prevent that from happening. And he's Chasing Nakamura out of the ring, but security catches him and he holds him back, which leads to Ricochet taking on Nakamura. I had an issue with this match. 
And the issue is, is the fact that you have Nakamura that you're building up as, as this next big, this next big, um, heel, this next big heel against Seth Rollins. And he won the match, but because Ricochet hit him with the chair, and that caused a disqualification. I'm not a fan of that. If you want to present Nakamura as a big deal, as a big heel, a big threat, and I'm being real when I say this, if you want to present Nakamura as a big threat, then give people a reason to show that he's a big threat. That That is one of my biggest issues that I had with this match. It's one of the biggest gripes I've had. But after the match, Nakamura... He was doing damage damage to Ricochet's leg. Poor Samantha Irvin have, having to see your fiance selling a knee, not selling, but taking damage to the knee. Seth Rollins comes out, and like Seth Rollins comes out, and he wastes no time beating down Nakamura. He was looking to do a pedigree on the chair, but Nakamura back body drops him and sends him spine first to the chair. And then he sends him spine first into the announce desk. And then backstage, we see Rollins struggling to walk. And he eventually he eventually accepts the help from a referee. So, and again, they're continuing this rivalry with Nakamura and, uh, and Seth Rollins. Now, later during the show, um... We go backstage to Byron Saxton, who was with Seth Rollins, and he asks, the latter of whom tells Shinsuke Nakamura to name the price, no, name the time, name the place, name the stipulation for the World Heavyweight Championship rematch, which we're going to get at Fastlane, bar none. And we're going to find out next week. I can see it being a Falls Count Anywhere match. I can see being a last man standing match, but at the end of the day, Seth Rollins is not losing that title to Shinsuke Nakamura. I know we all want to see Nakamura as the World Heavyweight Champion, but I don't think WWE sees Nakamura as World Heavyweight Champion material, which is fucking stupid. I think it's absolutely stupid with the fact that they that they're not that they're not going to put the world title on him. As I want to see that world title on uh on Shinsuke Nakamura. I think that would be great. But. The problem. Is the booking. WWE. Like this is the best that Nakamura has looked. Since NXT. And I really mean that wholeheartedly. This heel run. I love it. But. Even I know that Nakamura is not going to beat Seth Rollins. I think that's going to be Gunther. Who's going to beat Seth Rollins. Okay. Okay. But that's just how I feel. We had Shayna Baszler and Zoe Stark teaming up against Chelsea Green and Piper Niven. This match ended in a no contest when Nia Jax came in, laid out all four women. And and like I said, the story is nobody is safe from Nia Jax. So she delivers a Samoan drop and a senton to Starks. Green tries running once she spots her, but she... 
She chucks her across the ring. And Chelsea Green, let me be honest. Chelsea Green, she had announced that she had a hepatoma on her elbow. Which, those injuries, Jesus Christ. John Cena had it. Sami Zayn had it. Just seeing that ball in your shoulder, that ball of fluid in your shoulder, Jesus Christ. She hits Shayna Baszler with the Annihilator, which is the bonsai drop, and she did it safely. This time she held the top rope to to alleviate the, alleviate the pressure. She didn't do it for the first time. She just literally dropped on Rhea Ripley's uh, stomach. But the story, like I said, Nia, no one is safe from Nia Jax on Monday Night Raw. That's the story they're going with. We go backstage to Chad Gable and Adam Pearce. And Chad Gable is asking Pierce, what should I do to get another shot at the Intercontinental Championship? And Pierce says, he has to work his way back there. Bronson Reed walks in and tells Gable to go to the back of the line. They begin yelling and Pierce tells him, go out there and he makes the match official, which Chad Gable and Bronson Reed, they had a good match with Bronson Reed getting the win over Chad Gable. Now, I thought Chad Gable was going to win this, but I see where they're going with this. Because later on, we had Tommaso Ciampa taking on Imperium. We had Tommaso Ciampa taking on Imperium, which Tommaso Ciampa got the win over Giovanni Vinci. And there's two... Three things I see. Number one, they're building up Chad Gable slowly to go after the Intercontinental Championship. Number two, they're having Tommaso Ciampa be the next person in line to challenge Gunther for the Intercontinental Championship. And three, I could sense Imperium losing Giovanni Vinci because he's the weakest link of the group. And they don't like weakness. So, that's three things I see happening. Chad Gable, I will keep saying this until I am blue in the face. I think they're trying to save Chad Gable's big victory on a bigger stage. Whether it's Survivor Series, whether it's the Royal Rumble. I think the Royal Rumble would be perfect. Like, Walter, Gunther, whatever you want to call him, held on to that title for a full-blown year. And he drops it to Chad Gable. And he wins it in front of his kids and his wife. That would be a nice feel-good moment in front of a big stage in Tropicana Field. Why not? I think that would be great. I think that would be an excellent move. And that's just how I see it. We had the NXT Women's Champion, Becky Lynch. She's in the ring and she says, The man has come around to Salt Lake City. And is the new NXT Women's Champion. She says while she didn't expect to win the title, she learned to take opportunities when she can get them. She says she wants to elevate the title she holds and says NXT is the future before issuing an open challenge for the NXT Women's Championship. Natalia's music hits. And I'm like, but what about Tegan Knox? Because originally that was going to be Tegan Knox's uh, position. She was going to answer that challenge because she ain't doing shit ever since they bought her back. 
She's been competing on main events. She's been competing with Zia Lee, another person they're they're not doing shit with. But um, she, Natalia looks to answer the call, and Lynch says, "Look, while I have the utmost respect for her, she meant for someone newer to answer." Now Natalia, she's pleading her case and says Lynch took opportunities away from the younger talent, which she's not wrong on that. She shoves Lynch and. Becky pretty much accepts the match, which the match itself, it was meh. It was meh. We, I knew Becky Lynch was going to retain. But if you want, if you wanted to elevate that women's title and elevate somebody that has not been featured, and this is just my biggest gripe, and I mean this in no disrespect to Natalia. She is a veteran. She is great in the ring. She could carry that wisdom to a lot of young talents in the future. But if you want to elevate somebody new... Tegan Knox should have answered the fucking call. Zia Lee should have answered the fucking call. Like, you got Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell and Nikki Cross who aren't doing shit. They should answer the call. You got Katana Chance and Kaden Carter. They're not doing nothing. They should answer the call. She's And I'm hearing that Becky's going to be on SmackDown. What about Alba Fire and Isla Dawn? They haven't wrestled a fucking match since May. They haven't wrestled a match since May when they lost the women's tag titles to Ronda and Shayna. And then where do they go from here? Nothing. Mia Yim should be wrestling. I could go on and on. But I want this to be built. Like if, if Becky Lynch is trying to do the open seat, like the open challenge like John Cena did for the United States title to elevate that title into something great, I could definitely see like just, and this was a late change. I don't know why they should. They didn't kept this. They should have kept Tegan Knox, showcase what Tegan Knox can do, have her lose and look good in defeat, and possibly use her more often. That's just how I see it. That's just one of my biggest gripes coming out of this. I don't like late changes in the last minute. But in the main event, we had Drew McIntyre taking on Jey Uso. I thought this was a good match. You had Judgment Day at ringside. And Jay, he super kicked Dominic, he super kicked Damian, turns around, eats a Claymore kick, Drew McIntyre wins. After the match, the Judgment Day surround Jay, they are beating him up, McIntyre's just watching this, Cody comes in to make the save, and he shakes Jay's hand as the show goes off the air. So, this was a mixed bag episode of Monday Night Raw. I would recommend watching Ivar and Kofi Kingston. I thought that was an excellent match. The rest was just meh. Like the story is trust issues with Jay. That's the story. Drew doesn't trust him. Jay doesn't. No, Drew doesn't trust Jay. And Kevin Owens doesn't trust Jay. And the other story involves the Intercontinental title and Nia Jax. So that's that. Now, switching over to NXT, I thought NXT was a good show. And they continued the build towards No Mercy. So, Becky Lynch kicked off the show. And she does. she's doing this poetry. And my goodness, that was not good. I'm sorry. And I mean this in no disrespect to Becky Lynch. It, it was not good. Like, whoever wrote that, no. If you want to do a nursery rhyme... Like, because I would do it for, like, I would just do it for, like, if kids are watching, which they were, but I'm not at preschool anymore. 
I'm not in elementary school anymore. This felt like an elementary school type promo. Now, she put over Tiffany Stratton. She's offering her a rematch, which Tiffany comes out. And like I said in the beginning of the quick recap, Tiffany did not lose anything. I thought she looked great. She hanged with Becky Lynch last week. And that deserves props as well. Because if you can hang with Becky Lynch, if you could hang with one of the big names, then I guarantee that's a good deal. That's a good future for you when you get called up. So, Stratton says, I want the match to happen at no mercy. So, which was later made official. So, these two ladies, they started to brawl when Kiana James came out and assisted uh, Tiffany Stratton. And then, when she interrupted Ilya Dragunov's interview, she pretty much challenged Kiana and Tiffany to a two-on-one handicap match. And that was pretty much that. Um, but like I said, the opening part was was okay. Just that that promo was not good from uh Becky Lynch. But we knew we already knew the rematch was gonna happen at No Mercy. And I think Tiffany now I don't know if they're gonna have Tiffany win the belt back. I could see them keeping the belt on Becky until they give it to somebody like um, possibly the winner of the breakout tournament. Like, there's so many people that she could get in the ring with. I don't know, but we'll see. Now, we had Tony D'Angelo and Stax. They were talking about their challengers in a unique Italian mobster style. Now, we don't know who's going to be challenging for the uh, tag team titles. They got a decent tag team division on there. A decent tag team division. Who? I don't know. We'll see. We had Trick Williams. He was backstage with Dom, when Dom appeared. And he's trying to stir the pot. Like drive, drive a wedge between Carmelo Hayes and, and, and Trick Williams. But Williams brushed it off. And they did the same thing with Joe Gacy. So they see big things in Trick Williams. They really do. I could definitely see Trick Williams turning heel on his best friend. I could definitely see that happening. Possibly after the match with Ilya Dragunov at No Mercy. That's a possibility. You never know. Now, we have Pete Dunne in the Block A tournament taking on Tyler Bate. I thought this was an excellent match. These two, I shit you not, they have amazing chemistry in that ring. Tyler Bate doing the bitter end. Pete Dunne doing the Tyler Driver 97. Like, go ahead and watch this match because this was outstanding. This was absolutely outstanding. And you have Metaphor. They come in, like, dressing up like fucking, um, like Neo. Like, looking like characters from The Matrix. <laughs> like, they literally looked like, um, characters from The Matrix. Which is crazy. But uh, other than that, other than that, the match was outstanding. Pete Dunn, he wins block A, so that means he faces the winner of block B next week. Which, speaking of, I do want to just go through that. You had Duke Hudson and Joe Coffey, and I thought they had a really good match with Duke Hudson getting a surprise roll-up. And Mackenzie Mitchell is interviewing Nathan Frazier. And she's telling him that there's going to be a winner in in the B block 
um, in the uh, tonight. So we had the triple threat match, which was fucking amazing. This was this was another great match with Duke, not Duke Hudson, like Duke Hudson. There was this spot where I don't know if it was like a Frankensteiner or a reverse poison Rana that he took from Nathan Frazier. He landed on the top of his fucking head, and I just winced my head, and I'm like, oh my god, this guy can sell. Now, Nathan Frazier, he did the Phoenix Splash. Joe Coffey tossed him out of the ring and literally hit his finisher on Duke Hudson to win. So that means next week he's going to take on Pete Dunne and whoever wins takes on Noam Dar for the NXT Heritage uh, Cup, which I think Pete Dunne is going to win it. I think he's going to win the entire uh, thing. I would love to see Pete Dunne with that... uh, with that Heritage Cup. I think that would be great. Um, They showed a vignette of JC Jane and Thea Hale shopping. And pretty much it's an increase of leather. Black leather. And we're going to see what Thea Hale looks like next week. The new Thea Hale. That's going to happen on NXT. Roxanne Perez took on <clears throat> took on Lola Vice, and I thought they had a good match. I thought they had a good match. Lola Vice, I'm, I'm going to be real when I say this. Lola Vice is going to be a fucking star. And I mean this 100%. Lola Vice is a star in the making. I think she is fantastic. And I could definitely see her possibly being in that breakout tournament and being in the finals. I could definitely see her in the finals of that breakout tournament. But she's somebody that I would keep an eye on as well. They showed a vignette of uh, Eddie Thorpe responding to Dijak attacking a tree. He said Dijak has been trying to avoid calling him a savage, but maybe there was a little savage in him. He said Dijak desecrated the sacred land and disrespected my culture. So he wants Dijak in a strap match next week. So that's going to be good. Definitely looking forward to that. We had Becky Lynch in the locker room getting ready for her match. When Roxanne walks in and Lynch told Perez, keep doing what you're doing. And Perez says, she's did what Becky did before. She got sick of people walking all over her. And Becky says, I know the feeling. And Perez offers to team with Lynch against Stratton and James. But Lynch says, you need to take care of that arm. And she said, don't worry, I got this. So, I I like that. I thought that was a nice little uh, way to put over Roxanne. Because I think Roxanne is main roster ready. I think she's main roster ready. We had Carmelo Hayes against Dominic Mysterio. Champion versus champion, non-title. Elia was on commentary. Terry for this match. This ended in a no contest, which I did not mind. Um, Carmelo, he shoved Dominic into Elia. Dom got in Elia's face and he slapped him, which is a big no-no, which caused for the no contest. And Dom is getting the shit beat out of Elia. Like, Elia's beating the shit out of him. And And he's going for the Torpedo Moscow when... Dom shoves Carmelo into him. 
and he rolls out of the ring only to be attacked by Dragon Lee. So I thought this was um, good for what it was and a great way to set up two things, Dom and Dragon Lee, and then you got then you got Carmelo and Elia, which I think is going to be an excellent match. Now, Ali, who is no longer with the company, like I mentioned, he was on NXT. He's questioning why Dragon Lee is getting a North American title match against Mysterio on Raw, even though I beat Dragon Lee to become the number one contender. And he's going to do something about it, but after what happened this week, looks like plans are going to be changing. So I don't know what the fuck's going to happen. In the main event, we had Becky Lynch and Lyra Valkyria. They defeated Tiffany Stratton and Kiana James. It was a good main event with the baby faces going over. And after the match, Stratton hits Lynch and Valkyria with the chair, grabs the women's title, drops the belt on it, and left the ring. And Lynch grabs the mic and says, it's going to be like that, huh? Then their match is going to be an extreme rules. And... Tiffany Stratton seems to accept it. So, other than that, like I said, I thought NXT was a good, good episode. And, um, yeah, it was good. Now, before we talk about um, SmackDown, we do have some breaking news that I want to share with you guys. Um, now, Russell Volts tweeted out that there was going to be one name that there was going to be released from uh, WWE. And... And I was thinking, I don't know if it's just one person. I don't know if it's going to be another batch, but it was only one person. And this one was least surprising because we all knew this was going to happen. And this person was Matt Riddle. The way I found out about Matt Riddle being let go was from social media, Instagram. That's how I found out. Um... Matt Riddle, he posted, just wanted to inform everyone that I am no longer with the WWE. Thank you for the memories and opportunities. Also, thank you to all the fans for the support and love you and the love you gave me every time I go out to the ring. See you all soon. Now, Fightful has um, an updated on Matt Riddle's release. This is what we got. Via Fightful, Sean Ross app. Because I trust their sources more than anybody. Matt Riddle wasn't around backstage in WWE even before his release. Fightful Select has confirmed that contrary to rumors last week, the former tag team champion, the former United States champion, um, Matt Riddle was never planned for the September 18th Raw show. Now one source that we spoke to said that the rumor likely emerged from the outdated information and that he was never in the creative plans for the show. Riddle had been off the road from WWE since alleging that an officer at the JFK airport sexually assaulted him, leading to an internal investigation by the Port Authority. Riddle was removed from the September 11th Raw and was taken off the road from WWE. He was never planned for a return. Those that we've spoken to claim that since then, Riddle was not factored into immediate creative plans. He was doing 
used some grappling training per usual and was said to be in good spirits before his release. However, one WWE higher-up said that he burned through too many chances. And there's the line right there. Burned too many chances while in WWE. The whole JFK thing is crazy. Like, let me be real. The, the way I could see this, like, he has nobody to blame but himself. He has nobody to blame but himself. And it's frustrating because Matt Riddle is incredibly fucking talented. And I think you all know this. Matt Riddle is incredibly talented. I've seen his work in Evolve. I've seen his work when he was in progress. Like, just, it frustrates me that all that talent just gone to waste like that. Just literally gone to waste. And the RK Bro stuff, super over. He he was entertaining. But it's his personal problems that he had that held him back. And that's... And he has nobody to blame but himself, like I mentioned. But um, other than that, Matt Riddle, I think he's going to be fine. But I just hope he gets his shit together. Like, I really hope so because it's just sad to see a great talent like Riddle just literally go, just has all that bright potential. And his personal issues, like, you got ex- his ex-wife making claims about him. Like, and, and the fucked up thing is, he did this, this whole JFK um, police claim, literally right before WWE was about to be merged. And they don't want no bad press. And this was not a surprise to anybody. So... Wherever he goes, like, I'm going to be real. Wherever um, Matt Riddle goes, I, I don't know if Tony Khan would want him in AEW. He could be in Japan. He could be doing something with Pro Wrestling Noah. He could be doing something with on the indies. You never know what what's on the mind of Matt Riddle. But I just hope that um, he gets his shit together. That's That's all I want. I just want him to get his shit together. But, um, that was the story that broke. Now, SmackDown took place at the Desert Diamond Arena in Glendale, Arizona. And there were two things that I liked. That I, no, actually, actually, there were three things that I liked about this show. The rest was just meh. The rest was just meh. That's the best way I could say it. Just a meh. And the ending was confusing because we was hoping that somebody was going to come out, but we'll, we'll save that. I'll save that for later. But the show kicked off with, you can't see me. You can't see me. Yeah, we kicked off the show with John Cena. We could clearly see him. And he welcomes fans to SmackDown. He says he's been able to do a lot since coming back in both Pennsylvania and Colorado. He says he didn't come back to be a referee, a host, a backstage correspondent, which 
I still think that's one of my favorite one, Lance Catamaran. <laughs> he came back to compete. He wants to wrestle, and he wants a match tonight. And he says he's happy to hear fans want the same thing after asking them. Then says he's angry at the bloodline, especially at Jimmy Uso and Holo Sokoa. He then says he thinks I found myself a tag partner and it's phenomenal, which brings out AJ Styles. Now he clarifies that Cena wants him to be his tag team partner to face the bloodline and he accepts. So Jimmy Uso and Solo, they come out and they get to, they're on the apron and they just, they just go down. They didn't want to do the match. This was like the typical bait and switch. Like the typical bait and switch we see in WWE. But um, this is just to set up their match at Fastlane. So other than that, like the opening segment was, it was all right. It was fine for what it was. Now, backstage, we see John Cena and AJ Styles. They're demanding their tag team match against the bloodline from Adam Pierce. And Pierce tells them that He'll try and find Paul Heyman to work. Like, why would you try and find Paul Heyman to make things work out? You're the freaking, you're freaking running the show. You could just make the fucking match. Like, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> you could just make the fucking match. So pretty much, Adam Pierce has no balls. That's the best way I could say it. We had Rey Mysterio and Santos Escobar of LWO taking on the Street Profits with Bobby Lashley in the corner. Now, there was a spot in this match where Bobby Lashley, behind the ref's back, um, picked up picked up Rey Mysterio and just slammed him on the apron. Angelo Dawkins, he literally hesitated. He didn't know what to do. And because of that hesitation, Rey Mysterio rolled up Angelo Dawkins to get the win. And we see Bobby Lashley, he was not pleased, he was disappointed. And later, later we see them backstage in the locker room and he's asking, why did you hesitate? And he, it was literally tough love. Like he sees, he literally tells him he sees something in the street problems, but if you can't get this together, you could just give me back the suits and you could just stay in catering. Now, I like that because this is tough love. And he says, maybe I'll find somebody else. And Cedric Alexander, he had a gift of like, you know, a gun just clicking like click, 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 click. Like it is literally his way of saying, put me back in. Because he doesn't want to be in catering. That's literally Cedric Alexander saying, I don't want to be in catering. Give me something to do. They showed... But, like, the match itself was fine for what it was. I thought it was fine for uh, what it was. They showed the video recapping Austin Theory's confrontation with The Rock. And Austin Theory, he's flipping off at the announced team about showing that and it was fine it was fine for what it was and then shockingly this was something I did not expect 
they showed a vignette for Isla Dawn and Alba Fire. Wow! They're still alive! Like, my goodness, they're still alive. Like, what the hell have they been doing? Seriously, what the hell have they been doing? That's what I want to know. What what were they doing with Alba Fine and Isla Dawn? And I like that they are telling the story that they placed a curse on the women's tag team titles because, look, in actuality, they're the women's tag titles are fucking cursed. And now they're using that as a story, which I do not mind. I think that's a good idea. I do not mind this at all. Now we get a heated exchange backstage between the Brawling Brutes, Austin Theory, and Grayson Waller. Adam Pierce pretty much makes the match official. And like I said, we go to the locker room with Bobby Lashley chewing out the Street Profits for losing their match. And like I mentioned, he demands they give him all the stuff that he gave them back. And he says if they can't get the job done, they can sit in Caterman while he finds someone else. There's Carmelo Hayes. There's Cedric Alexander. Like, I mean, you could have done Cedric and Shelton again, but Shelton's not with the company anymore. I digress. But, again, it's literally trying to find that killer instinct with the Street Profits because they are listed as heels, correct? They're listed as heels, am I right? But, um... They're not um, on that level of a heel. So sooner we're going to get that killer instinct soon. We had what I thought was the highlight of the show. We had EO Sky defending her Raw, not Raw, WWE Women's Championship against Asuka. First time ever match. Now, Charlotte had to come out because, I mean, of course, the Charlotte Flair, she had to... Um, she had to be in this corner. Well, she had to be on the commentary side to watch the match. We all know why Charlotte was there. Because Charlotte is getting a title match with EO, possibly at Fastlane. That is literally the direction that they're going to be going with. But these two women, Asuka and EO, I thought they had an excellent match. They talked about their history together. Well, the, and they did a really good hype video hyping up their match. And I thought these two absolutely delivered. And this was another match that I, I literally said I, I I want them to run it back. Because, like, and, and this is the first time that we saw two Joshi wrestlers wrestling in WWE one-on-one. And Io and Asuka, they had excellent chemistry. Now, Bailey, when Asuka had the Asuka lock on Io... She put Eo's foot on the rope, which got Charlotte to come out and hit Bailey. That distracted Asuka, and Eo hit the double knees, hit her moonsault, pinned Asuka to retain the title. Now, they did this to protect Asuka, which I don't mind. They could run this back. And not only that, with the reports about Kyrie Sane coming back, put her to SmackDown. Put her on SmackDown because it would make the most sense. I would put her on SmackDown because you could do something with EO and Asuka. You could do a triple threat with these three. And it will sell. Trust me. It will fucking sell. But next week we're getting Bailey versus Charlotte, which this is going to lead to Charlotte and EO 
at Fastlane. That's the direction that we're going to be heading. But I don't want EO to drop that title because with Kyrie possibly coming back, you could do a story with Kyrie and EO. That will be an excellent thing to do, in my honest opinion. But this was an amazing match. And I would not mind if we get it again with a stipulation. Let's let's make that happen, shall we? Because these two absolutely killed it. We go backstage. Adam Pierce, Paul Heyman, Solo Sokoa, and Jimmy Uso. Now, Heyman says he's fine with Jimmy and Sokoa having a tag match with AJ Styles and Cena as long as it isn't tonight. And he Pierce clarifies that it's going to be at Fastlane. Now, Jimmy says he'll be at ringside to sign the contract. And Heyman says decisions like that usually needs approval. But Jimmy disregards and walks off. And Sokoa follows after a cryptic message. And he tells Heyman to get his phone. He's like, call Roman Reigns. So, we haven't seen Roman on in a while. So, I don't know what they're doing with Roman. But, I don't know. We're just going to have to wait and see. But, other than that, this is just Jimmy being... Defiant. Like, that's what I see with uh, Jimmy Uso. Like, and I'm just thinking of my... And you, know, you know what? Now that I think about this, let me get this straight. You super kick Roman Reigns. You beat Roman and Solo at Money in the Bank. You turn... And then all of a sudden, you turn on Jey Uso. And now you want to try to get back in the bloodline. Like, make it make sense, WWE. Make it make sense. Please. But it's just eh, to say the least. Just eh. They also showed a pretty deadly um, video of Elton Prince Prince's recovery, which was fucking hilarious. I, I would recommend that you guys watch it. Like, if they do more stuff like this, this is going to be one of the most entertaining acts in all of WWE right now, especially on SmackDown. But I love this. I thought this was really good. We had Grayson Waller and Austin Theory. They took on the Brawling Brutes. There was no Sheamus. It was just Pete Dunne and Rich Holland. No Sheamus. So keep that in mind because he's currently negotiating a new deal with his contract. But the match, I thought it was good for what it was. And Grayson Waller and Austin Theory, or A-Town Down Under, as Kevin Patrick would say, Got the win over the uh, the baby faces. So, like, it was, it was all right. In the main event, we had a contract signing with Adam Pierce being the one hosting it. John Cena comes out, immediately signs the contract. AJ He introduces AJ Styles, but AJ doesn't come out. And we see why. Jimmy Uso attacks AJ Styles, and Sol Sokoa hits... Um, a splash off off one of the technical uh, equipment. So you got officials. They enter. They helps. They provide Styles with help. Cena checks on him, and we go to commercial. Then after the commercial, AJ Styles is carted out. So and Paul Heyman, he just goes down to the ring. Jimmy and Sakura right behind him. He tosses the chairs and the tables out of the ring. And Heyman, he's like, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Paul Heyman. And 
He says he's holding the contract signed by Cena, but Cena now doesn't have a partner. Jimmy grabs the mic out of his hand and says, this is what happens when you mess with the bloodline. He tells Cena if you were smart, then he would hop in an ambulance with Styles and go far away from the bloodline. And he says Cena will end up in an ambulance regardless, which this leads to Cena running back to ringside. He plants Jimmy with his comeback. Solo Sakura charges in. He looks for the Samoan spike. And um, he ducks out of the way. And he sets up for the attitude adjustment on Solo when Jimmy super kicks um, him to save Sakura. Now Solo Sakura then delivers a Samoan spike as Jimmy sits himself on the top. Moxina, and, and this was confusing because I don't know if this was going to set up, um, you know, L.A. Knight, which it should, because that's what that angle did. But he hits the splash, signs the contract, and then he hits a second splash and does the one symbol. Now, this was supposed to be L.A. Knight coming out to make the save, but there's a reason for that. And Feifel has confirmed that L.A. Knight was tested positive for COVID. And he had to leave the building just before SmackDown, which I wish him a speedy recovery. And COVID's no joke. It's still around. People don't th- people think, oh, it's not there anymore. Yes, it is. It's still there. But it wasn't a Vince McMahon thing. It was literally COVID. Hopefully it's not a major one because I don't know what backup plan did they have. Like some people say they were chanting Cody. I don't know. They It's just, just who do you have? That could be Cena's partner if LA Knight can't make it. Because that role has to go to LA Knight. No doubt. But again, I hope... L.A. Knight's okay. I hope he's doing well, and I wish him a speedy recovery. But other than that, watch the EO and Oscar match. I would recommend that you watch it, and because I thought that was the best match on the entire show. Now I am getting the heck out of here, guys, and I'm going to celebrate my birthday like I always do. Cause, and that's. And, and if you're listening to this on Sunday, it is my 30th chapter of life. So happy birthday to me. But thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode. I really, really appreciate it. Make sure you guys follow me on Twitter, Shino D Phoenix. Um, like the Facebook page, No One's Ready for Wrestling. Follow me on Instagram, Cool Man Sip, that's CYP. Um, follow me on TikTok, Shino D Phoenix. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, Shino D Phoenix, and I will be live on Kick this Sunday on my birthday to celebrate my 30th uh, chapter of life. So it will be at 9.15. Shino Phoenix is where you'll find me, and I'll do an after party on Tuesday. So until then, guys, which, by the way, Shino Phoenix is where it is. So until then, take care, be safe, support wrestling as much as you can. Happy birthday to me. And I will see you guys next time for the next installment of No One's Ready for Wrestling. 233, not 332. So, <laughs> and I and I know when I, I, I admit that I fucked up. So, take care, guys. Have a great weekend. Much love to you. And I fly off. <laughs>